does everybody know what time it is? Time to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lunky? Well, do ya? Punk? I mean, I don't, because it's grunt work. I see, and I know, that manifold covered in jelly. I see you and I, together, in this auto shop, so there's nothing I wouldn't do to make my car not get chopped. Won't give me forever to show you all the love I have here for you. And if you give me my reason for living to love you, I love you. I do. Because this is Grunt Work, the only podcast about the TV series Home Improvement that wears its heart in its fanny pack. I'm your host, Truman, the Souffle Away Man Caps, and with me as always is my co-host Landon, the Baby You Got a Stew Going Man Solano. Um, <laughs> Truman, I, I couldn't help wonder yes, whether or not you're, uh, just like I used to uh, ponder back in my middle school days, whether or not you're sending me hidden messages with the songs you choose. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I mean, no, Landon, I was not looking at a, a framed picture of you with, with hearts drawn all over it when I wrote this, thinking about the fact that I haven't talked to you for three weeks. It has nothing to do with the with the absence. It, it, it does have to do with the fact that after watching a certain scene in this episode, I thought, you know what I need to do? I need to find a John Tesh song for, for today's opening. <laughs> and John Tesh does not have a lot of songs that can be easily modified to be about auto theft. <laughs> the the NBA night uh, theme doesn't doesn't translate well to a parody. I you know what I I suppose if I I suppose also if I gave myself more than like 20 minutes to do this, maybe I could have achieved some kind of higher art with the NBA night theme. Um <laughs> Well, look, Landon, as you may have guessed from my uh, very romantic intro, it is good to see you. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just wondering, what's your go-to disguise? If you had to disguise Ooh. yourself, like, what would you do? Like, one thing to change your identity. That is a great question. Um, my D&D &D characters all are uh, apt with the, the disguise kit and um, uh, You play rogues. Feats. You play rogues. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> I, I do. Really bad rogues. Um <laughs> So I'm more I'm more akin to answer in that regard, but for me, uh, <laughs> disguise. What do I do? You just um, roll a dice. That's what you do in D and D. You just hope that your modifier is high enough that you can beat the the check. I mean, that's all. That's an easy strategy. Um, oh man, I feel like I've had instances where I've done something like this, and I can't quite pull wait, out. Sorry. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. You just threw out a much more interesting tidbit than the thing we were talking about. You've had instances where you've gone undercover in a sting operation, a vigilante sting operation? But I can't remember the specifics. What? Well, now are you are you okay? Are you saying this to avoid to avoid legal culpability? Is this this is going to be an <laughs> off mic conversation? I can tell. <laughs> no. Um. Well, I mean, right now, er, well, maybe not all of us right now, but for the last couple of years, we've all had a disguise of wearing a mask, and you know, you put. I do wonder about this sometimes, even now without you know the pandemic, uh, walking and jogging out in the cold. I always wonder how nervous people get when they see me kind of just charging towards them wearing a baklava uh, <laughs> or balakava. Um, I, I mean, maybe you've been to a Greek restaurant before that and you didn't use a napkin afterwards. <laughs> well, that's why I have my, my mouth covered. I don't want them to 
catch my breath. I mean, listen, uh, as as someone who's who's uh, you know uh, worn a few baklavas, it's more the the flakes on your shirt than anything around your mouth. <laughs> uh, you know, like okay, so I have my I, I have it covering up the bottom half of my face, and I've got my winter hat down. You know covering my eyebrows and usually i'm wearing sunglasses i look like the invisible man running down the street and i i I wonder sometimes if people get worried (laughs) that someone that they can't identify is charging towards them i uh yeah i i do yeah you do look like basically like the like kind of the terrorist model in counter-strike 1.5 just a dude wearing a (laughs) wearing a ski mask and and sunglasses if you're carrying an ak-47 and moving at like 25 frames per second i would be having flashbacks to many hours in middle school um okay so you're so your disguise basically would be to pull a ski mask over your face and put on sunglasses that's how you go undercover i I mean that's uh, if i was gonna be more imaginative i'd come up with something cooler than that but uh I mean, that's what I do on a daily basis, so I guess I have to go with that. Okay. No, that's fair. That's totally fair. I, I, you know, I came to this because this is a thing that I've thought long and hard about, and I sprang it on you. So I think that's a good answer on the fly. Uh, I would just shave my head. That would just be it. If you, like, I, I, have, I have noticeable hair, and I think that mm-hmm. most people don't really know what my face looks like. They only know it in the context of my hair. And I think if I just... I think if I shaved my head and didn't do anything else, people would not like I think I look like a completely different guy. When I put on a stocking cap, it's like I think I could walk by my own parents and they wouldn't they wouldn't know. See, that's that's a very interesting answer cuz I I feel like I change my look so often mm. that I I can't be pinned to any one thing. Like in your mind's eye, you haven't seen me in two and a half years. True. I've seen a do couple I, of pictures. Do I have a beard? Uh, at the, I'm assuming yes, based on the picture of you in, in, in your mind's eye, in your mind's eye. Do yeah. I have a beard? Yeah. I'm, I'm picturing you with a beard. Okay. Uh, how long is my hair? Shh. It's short. It's, it's, it's V short. Okay. Interesting. Well, uh, I feel like you got lucky on that. I did shave my head recently and I'm what? growing a longer beard. Okay. But you shaved it completely. Okay. This is, well, I didn't like bick it, but it's, it's yeah. Shaved. Okay, like like so you're not Walter White, but it's like you're you just joined the Marines. You're like full metal jacketing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, not not really like a flat top buzz cut. You know, it's not from the 1950s. Yeah, but. yeah. I, th- now this is this is the thing, and I applaud that. I have I have I settled on a look when I was 16, and I have not looked back. I'm this is I think what I'm just gonna look like as long as as I am alive. What uh, I mean. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have the bravery to do that. What inspired you to, to shave your head? Were you were, well, wait, I, I always, were you sneaking I into know. somewhere? I, I feel like I change my look at least once a year. For the last five or so years, I kind of alternate between a juxtaposition of like, am I, if I'm going to have a beard, I, I tend to look a little slobby. So mm, I want to juxtapose it with, you know, a, a very trim, nice haircut. Mm. Uh so that it looks like it's intentional. Mm-hmm. But if I want to have long hair, then I have to cut my beard or you know, keep it at least really, really short, just like to some stubble. So that again, it looks intentional and that I can have some control over presentability. Mm, I see that. I see that. Yeah, you kinda have to pick what wh- where you want to have the long hair on your head. Is it gonna be on your is it gonna be on your chin or is it gonna be out of your scalp? <laughs> yes. And I just this is so far. 
removed from home improvement content at this point. I mean, is that a surprise? Regular listeners will know we were never that close to the home improvement content. But okay, (laughs) that's fair. That's fair. Because this is a podcast about the TV series Home Improvement. And we watched an episode this week. Well, let's let's skip over. We we do have some important news we got to touch on real quick. We have have other uh, non-home improvement related bullshit to talk about. It's it's grunt work related. Okay. Um... As of this recording, uh, so we batch recorded. You were you were yes. in Italy for three weeks. I was. Uh, Sorry. What you've been listening to, if you've been able to listen to it, uh, has been batch <laughs> recorded a month ago. Um, and now you're coming back. This... You're coming back fresh to like eight or nine minutes of facial hair talk. That's what we've been doing. <laughs> we've been recalibrating our entire theme. <laughs> the well, show's all about disguises okay. now. We, we've run into an issue with our website, and I'll spare everyone the techno babble, but uh, essentially we, we've had to migrate our website to another space, and it's affected the RSS feed that updates our podcatchers. So there's been a disruption in how people are getting our episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've still been publishing them on our, our website, the new ones, and you know to people who are Patreon subscribers, not... I'm not like holding regular listeners hostage saying go subscribe to Patreon, but <laughs> hey, if you um, want this good shit, you know, there's an easy solution. It involves a little bit of that do re me, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, all of that to say that I hope by the time you're listening to this episode, all of our episodes are back up and running. Uh, as of the recording of this episode, only seasons one through three uh, and all of what we've done so far in season eight is up. Um, if you are listening to this and they aren't available, just bear with us while we, we get through this uh, moment. <laughs> it's like, of course, this has to happen in our last season. It's just uh, just right at this sucks right at the right at the finish line. We're blowing out our ACL. It's uh, yeah. it's it's a little tricky. <laughs> Shit is trickling down our legs. Just, <laughs> yeah, this whole thing is just a, a nightmare. Yeah, we're, 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 we're you know, we're batch recording episodes. One of the one of the hosts is on a different continent. The website is just getting blown out of the sky by F-16s like we are. We're not doing well. <laughs> But oh, we're, but we're gonna we're you know what I think we're gonna bounce back. This is what makes the third act and final Maybe. act interesting is us coming back. I mean, how this. does the internet work? I, I, could it be possible that our our podcast was actually hosted in a literal cloud, i.e., a a balloon that was flying over the U.S. Because it happened simultaneously. Our website went down <laughs> as soon as a spy balloon was shot out of the sky. I mean, I mean, listen, I, I think that this show has always been very clear that we think that Tim Allen is problematic, but Chinese President Xi Jinping is great. He's a wonderful visionary leader who's not doing any atrocities. I mean, oh, that I, I, don't think that, I don't think... I don't think anybody can draw any conclusions b- between those two things. Um... Yeah, yeah. So, well, no. Thank, thank you though. Thank you though for bearing with us. Uh, we're gonna, yeah. We've, it's, it's all in. Mainly, mainly, this is in Landon's hands. Like, I don't really know how to work a computer, but I have total faith that uh, between one competent tech person and me, um, we'll have our web presence <laughs> back. Uh, indeed. Um, and I have another announcement, but I think I'll save it to the end of the episode. Oh, that, that some of that patented grunt work foreshadowing that didn't get shot down. <laughs> so, uh, just because we're, we're already 15 minutes into this episode and I want to want to get on with the home improvement content. Uh, unnecessarily long episodes, another grunt work hallmark that has not been affected by our recent tech support issues. So, Landon, what happened this week on home improvement? 
Oh, that's right. We watched an episode. Okay. Oops. Chewbacca just fell off my desk. Um, <laughs> is that a euphemism for something? <laughs> is that some kind of like? Is that your code? Your Chinese handlers that you've been compromised? And you need to get. Uh, you need to get extracted back to Shanghai. <laughs> oh, good lord. Here's what happened. <clears throat> Brad gets a new car, and it immediately gets stolen at school. Yep. The cops have no leads. Can't do nothing anyway without evidence. Tim is so incensed that vigilante justice is the only choice. He and Al dress up to do a dirty Harry, and he has a death wish. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that you used, um, you know, the haiku, the the poem that is traditionally associated with a kind of peaceful meditative <laughs> thought to talk about uh-huh. a man doing vigilante justice on a chop shop. Truman, do you want to guess that title? Yes, I do. I have three guesses. Uh, okay. The first option, Brad Theft Auto. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, Vice City? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if I would apply Vice to, like, suburban Detroit. You you grew up out there. Maybe you can, uh, uh, I don't know, affordable housing city? <laughs> um. No comment. <laughs> Next one. Uh, okay. Uh, Hertz Donut. Because <laughs> now, and there's two ways you can look at it. You can look at uh-huh. it as in like, as in it hurts to have your car stolen donut. Or you can also look at it as H-E-R-T-Z, the rental car company mm-hmm. you'd use if your car was stolen donut. Mm-hmm. The donuts will- And a donut, donut yeah. will play- into this episode and also whoever stole the car probably did at least a couple donuts with it before uh letting it get chopped (laughs) um yeah i I have questions about who that might be but uh a a, a dangling thread left by this episode i i i like that title a lot okay uh final option all chops are bastards (laughs) i I, I would (laughs) I would have so much more respect for Home Improvement if they fit a swear word into one of their titles. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I guess also they probably wouldn't run with something like that because they wouldn't want to make you know people who sell pork chops feel bad, veal chops, <laughs> lamb chops. Um, yeah, probably my weakest one. You are, you, you flirted with it already. I'm gonna tell you that. I made eyes from across the room. Put on some John Tesh. <laughs> I, I, okay, I'm going to give you one clue, because I think with a little coaxing, you might be able to get it. This is a a, a portmanteau of two phrases, um, and uh, I don't know. It do, I guess the, the second part of it doesn't quite apply to this episode, but uh, it's a common turn of phrase. Uh, is it... It's something about chopping. It's yeah. You you've said it. You've said the phrase already, but mm. you haven't said the second part. Mm. Like what am I chopped liver? Uh, that's not really a <laughs> that's not really a popular expression. It's like the kids are walking no. around saying, "What am I chopped liver?" <laughs> All these vaudevillian TikTok kids. Um, <laughs> is it? Oh man, I don't know. Um, uh, chopper down, chop, uh, chop on the chopping block. You're you're getting close. Um, I'll just give it to you. It's 
Chomp Shop Till You Drop. Oh, man. That's good. I like that one. I like that one. That's good. I would. I think I'd like it more if it happened on, like, Black Friday. <laughs> like, <laughs> like their car gets stolen while they're, they're fighting for Tickle Me Elmo's, because it I, is 1999 now. Oh, my God. See, okay, that would be, that would be a better episode. Yeah, that, 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 the A, the A plot is whatever thing they're trying to, uh, or well, the A plot is the car getting stolen, the B plot is whatever toy they were trying to get or thing they were trying to buy, <laughs> maybe for yeah. William O'Leary's twins. Um, uh, well, before we go too deep, uh, I just want to say, this episode aired January 5th, 1999. Truman, oh. we are nearing Y2K. This is the first episode in 1999. Oh, my God. They got to they gotta get Jill's laptop ready for this or else it'll never be able to run Monkey Town. <laughs> I have comments about the date at which this aired, which oh. I will mention a little bit later. Um, oh, man. It was directed by a gentleman by the name of Sean Shay, it's a first-time director on Home Improvement. Oh, exciting! At least, yeah. Uh, He has stage managed Home Improvement uh, for quite a while since the beginning, actually. And Um, and stage manager is is that just sort of like coordinating? Is it like being an assistant to the director, kind of? Um. I would say, cause, you know, this is a, a stage before a live studio audience. Stage yeah. managing is probably like making sure all the pop props are in the right place. Everything, you know, is back to one. He's probably coordinating mm-hmm. with the director to, you know, do you need more time? Okay, take everyone take five. I, I bet it's mm-hmm. a little bit different than an assistant director, mm-hmm. but someone who is just managing schedules and making sure everything's in the right place at the right time. Yeah, the, the logistical lead so that the director can focus yeah. on the creative aspect. Okay, okay, okay. Correct. Um, Good for him getting getting the bump up. I'm I'm happy for him. Directing Oddly, felt though good. Huh? I don't. When I go to his individual page, he's there, he has zero. Oh, I'm sorry. She has oh. zero credits as a director. Oh, it's could weird. Maybe perhaps I'm just throwing this out there. Is she a ghost? Did this episode get directed <laughs> by a full on ghost? Because maybe that would make it a little more memorable, I think. Uh, she does have she has four acting credits on Home Improvement as stage manager. <laughs> well, I wonder if she she <laughs> doubles as the stage manager for Tool Time. She was she was typecast. That's so sad. She can't even get uh, like behind the camera work as anything other than the role she's associated <laughs> with. It's well, like if she it's like if Kelsey Grammer news- could only get hired to be psychologists too. <laughs> <laughs> she did uh, play a news aide in All the President's Men. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And Norma Lee on The Waltons. Was she on ER? <laughs> uh, I'm. Well, di- okay. I, I'm going to say no, she wasn't on ER, but yes, she directed an ER episode. Ooh. Well, I don't, it's considering I can't see any of her directing credits, I cannot verify that. <laughs> I mean, technically, ghosts could be directing all kinds of things, including entire ghost TV shows that we don't know exist. <laughs> it really so. makes you think, doesn't she, it? She, she, she does the ER spinoff of all the people who died in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, Landon, how did you feel about this episode of Home Improvement? Uh, this episode was written by David Maples, who we've talked about before. Yeah, who cares uh, about writers? Boo, they suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did I feel about this episode? They weren't shrunk down to four inches. No, sadly. But this was still a, a what-the-fuck episode to me. <laughs> <laughs> it would have helped 
honestly, you don't need a disguise if you're four inches tall. They could have done much better that's... surveillance. <laughs> they just hide hide themselves in the engine itself yeah. and try to get stolen by the same <laughs> same people. That That is the Binford uh, car security. It's just a tiny man who's inside the <laughs> engine at all times and will call the police if, it, if he feels it getting stolen. Oh, my God. Um, Spinoff. Yeah. It's, well, I, uh, I don't know. I, I think I'm a little kinder to it just because I haven't watched Home Improvement in a month. <laughs> yeah. It helps. Um, yeah. Helps, and don't it? the fact that it was so out of its normal zone that I didn't feel like I had a, a immediate point of reference um, that it was, just, I just was kind of like looking at the screen with like, fry eyes from Futurama just kind of like what, what am, what's going on here what's your this game the, show this, 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 yeah <laughs> um, so yeah and, and I will say there are a lot of unfortunate one liners in this episode that uh, four months after this episode aired didn't age well yeah oh man yeah okay good we're gonna talk about the same really grim thing another yes. grunt work standby that we have not lost um yeah it's it's very it, this episode feels like a very special time capsule from a yes it does it certainly does wonderful time of innocent angel babies who did not know <laughs> what the realness was yeah. um yeah i yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of agree with you. Like, I didn't dislike the episode. I didn't think it was super funny, although it had some some moments for me. Um, but I, I don't know. I yeah. It, it the the biggest the biggest thing was kind of just me being like, wait, did we haven't we seen this episode already? Like, how did we not have an episode about Brad getting a car? Like, how like when Brad says that I need to get a new, you know, I need to get a car. We need to get a car. It's like. How, yeah, why, it seems like in Tim Taylor's house, his oldest boy, like, Tim would have brought that up and figured that out the instant Brad was 16, and it's weird that that hasn't yeah. happened yet. Yeah, I, it, it is, it does feel a little bit, I don't know, misnomer isn't the right word, but, um, because we've had two episodes, one with Brad and one with Randy getting their driver's license, and their experience driving a car for the first time, but it wasn't their car. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, and we've had episodes as well, more than two, about Tim getting a new car, but it wasn't for the boys. So it, it absolutely does feel like, wait a minute, that can't be right. <laughs> well, and also, we we just had an episode about Tim's first car, about the whole experience yeah, right. of having a first car very recently. <laughs> They're going real hard on the car content this season, <laughs> which I mean, but that's also that's that's kind of like watching ballers and being like, wow, they're really going hard on the sports content on this show. It's like, yeah, yeah <laughs> like we knew going in they were going to go hard on the car content. It's just they've they, they've cranked it up from 11 to like 12. <laughs> well, this one goes to 12. Yeah, it, it's got more power. Um, So do you oh, want to? <laughs> do you, do you want to do you want to just get into this? Do you want to dive in? Have you got more reflections? Where do we go from here? No, let's uh, let's wipe the sweat off our chest so that the tape holding the microphone will stick to our bodies. Button up <sighs> our two decades out of date shirts. Uh, slide on our corduroy jackets. Count the money in the briefcase one more time. Meet the driver at the pickup spot. Ask him some questions about the operation in as natural possible natural way as possible while aiming our chest at him. Get out at the warehouse. Take off the blindfold. Head uh, get to the 
get the head honcho to explicitly say he'll do the deal for an exact sum of money and hope that the SWAT team can move in faster than he can reach for his gun. Otherwise, we'll be swimming with the fishes in the deep dive. <laughs> well, now I don't need to see the movie Donnie Brasco. Thanks a lot, jerk. <laughs> Um, you also could have just shortened it to a joke about Martin Short and the recording, uh, the recording pen in the Santa Claus Three. But I'm not here to backseat drive. <laughs> you do a deep dive intro sometime. Uh, I know, I know, I will not. I don't have that degree of creativity. Uh, so we open up at home at the uh, Taylor house. Uh, Jill is upset that Tim has put some octopus in the fridge. And Brad is upset that he's got a date tonight, but all of the cars are at the house are in use, which is ridiculous when you think about it, and as he points out. And uh, Brad says he wants a car. Tim is reluctant to give it to him, but then Brad points out that he's already saved a bunch of money and is getting good grades. So Jill and Tim agree to match him and help him get a car. And uh, and there's much rejoicing. There, There is. Uh, I know I've commented a lot on how Brad looks. Uh, yeah, the season. I, I think it's just because I was in high school and senior year, the same year he was. Mm-hmm. He he just right. He's wearing this yellow sweater, mm-hmm. V neck sweater over a white t shirt. Yeah, and he just looks like every senior picture I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really does feel like a Jostens ad or something. <laughs> um. So I, I have a question for you though. Yeah, uh, yeah just yeah, to get a, get us get us knee deep into this. Yeah, you not being from Detroit and not being a sports fan. Yeah, <laughs> did you have a question about the octopus situation? You know, now look. So it was I, when when Jill called out what it was. I remember thinking like, oh, I read a Wikipedia article about this. My main takeaway is that that that's. Like, A, that's expensive. Like, octopus is a delicacy. That seems like, it's like if you took, like, like a, a like raw cut of prime rib and threw it yeah. on the field at a baseball game. <laughs> and then, also, two, the octopus is a, I mean, listen, uh, obviously, if I start, eating animals morally is a tricky and questionable thing. I don't make a whole point about that. Octopi in general are like super intelligent and kind of have their own society. And it's, it, it's already, I feel kind of weird that, about eating them, but then mm-hmm. just chucking them onto the ice ahead of a hockey game uh, in high spirits seems weird to me. Seems a little weird. I'm not here to judge. It just <laughs> it's, seems it's weird. It's not even ahead of a game. It's uh, when they, I, well, maybe the rules have changed or when it's changed. I seem to remember them doing it when people get hat tricks. Um, but I, I could be wrong about that. Are there a lot of hat tricks in hockey, or do you maybe just show up and ca- have an octopus slowly warming up in your bag, and there's not a hat trick, and then it's like, well, what do I do with this this rotten <laughs> well, octopus no, now? <laughs> I mean, that's why that's why the most popular hat to Red Wings games is Hattie. <laughs> you can fit nacho cheese or one octopi. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, I'm just saying if there's not a if there's not a hat trick, then you got to wash your hat cuz that is that is going to pick up. I mean, honestly, you should also wash Hattie if it's full of nacho cheese. I guess either option is bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um yeah, no, it's it's problematic. Uh I haven't been to a Red Wings game since I've been a vegetarian. Um, it does 100% seem like animal abuse to me, especially well, I mean, you know, it's... if it's not an already dead octopus. Well, they're not throwing. Some of them aren't. Wait, they throw live octopus? I Well, I've 
I mean, someone correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I definitely feel like I've seen them squirming around the ice. What? Oh, okay, okay. Now listen, yeah, I don't th- like. I I don't think it's problematic to throw a dead octopus. Like the problematic thing is our relationship with animals and eating them and and whatever. That's a whole different thing. I just think it's weird. If it's a live octopus, I definitely have a problem with that. That I mean, is, my, yeah. That is now weird. that I'm thinking about it, my my righteous indignation about the whole thing could be rewriting it in my memory. Because how do you even keep an octopus alive from the water that long to get to a game and then throw it? I mean, I don't know, man. Without it like grappling onto your wrist while you're trying to heave it over the the glass. I don't want. I don't watch sports. I don't know. I guess people really care about hockey. It seems like because honestly, even throwing a dead octopus at something seems like an awful lot of logistics and preparation. I mean, especially now, security <laughs> check. How do you get that in? You they don't. You can't bring booze into a stadium, but they let you bring an octopus, even a dead one. That's that's extreme. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah. I I I'll reserve further comment. I clearly I'm in opposition to it. Uh, I, I'm. Okay, I'm glad that also we we spent so much time talking about this one-off joke that in no way impacts the rest of the episode. So we're we're making we're making good time here. That if this means nothing, it will not come up in the episode again. Tim just has it. Um. <laughs> yep. I when when Brad, you know, Brad is saying, "Oh, I I need to go out. I'm going out on this date. You know, can I? Mm-hmm. Which car should I take?" And Tim is using the Nomad, and Jill's using the Mustang, and he says, "Well, is the Healy running?" And they both just laugh at him. Um, yet another shot at English automaking. But I, <laughs> I I'm just like, I guess they got the Healy back. I, we never quite got resolution to that until I, now. This is this is the resolution. She traded. Yeah, she got. I guess did a did a backsies with the guy who she traded the Healy to. Um, but yeah, so Brad points out uh, to his credit, this is ridiculous that we have so many cars and yet I don't have a car. Like, and, and I, I have to agree, like the, the rate at which this family is acquiring cars is just frankly unsustainable. Like if the show stayed on the air, eventually like all of the matter in the universe would be cars owned by the Taylor family. (laughs) He'd have to, he'd have to get, uh, uh, he'd have to buy out Papa, what was his name? Papa Papa Smurf? Mia. Pa- wait, Pop Papa Mom. What What are you saying, Landon? <laughs> do, do you don't do remember you, when when uh, the oh the wait the the guy the the, the, the pizza hot rod guy dealer. the pizza guru the yeah the bought the hot rod that oh, Brad right. got uppity about because Tim didn't think about what it meant to him. Yes, yes, right. Of course, the the guy who employs Jay Leno to look after all of his uh, his hot <laughs> yes, rods. Exactly. Okay, that's where the show would have to go. Is Tim buying a garage like that? Yeah, they'd have to like redo the tool time set, and they'd be doing it from Tim's garage. I be man from Tim's garage would totally be the name of that show. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just going to be a parking issue. Honestly, I want to see the episode now that we're up to four cars. Spoiler alert: Brad is going to have a car. Uh, now that we're up to four, I want an episode about, wait, where do we park it, and who's blocked in at what time, and who has the keys, because I need to move this car so I can get out. Um, well, it would just be annoying to the neighbors, but, I, you know, they clearly live on a street where there's street parking, so, like, I, the where I live, I have a, a two-car tandem garage, so technically I could have two cars in there, and mm-hmm. then have mm-hmm. more cars just parked on the street. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, I guess I guess I'm I'm kind of telling on myself that I want an episode focused around parking. I mean, I'm really a, I, I'm already a very boring man who's obsessed with zoning codes, and I'm like, you know, it would really be a laugh riot is if we talked about the parking situation in suburban Royal Oak. Um, 
Okay, I think another important thing is that uh, the $2,000 that they're going to put up against uh, Brad's $2,000 for the car is, is uh, Jill makes clear this is going to come out of Tim's car budget. And I'm just, I just have so many questions now, going from being interested in parking to being interested in budgeting. Uh, how much <laughs> is his monthly car budget? Like, how much is going into this? I want receipts, Jill. I, and also, congratulations, <laughs> Jill. Jill. Tim. I mean... I think that I don't trust Tim's receipts. Tim is, I'm sure Tim is cheating like <laughs> mad on the car budget and yeah. moving money around and building shell companies. <laughs> yeah, no, he certainly has like, I, I don't know what the like snicker bar equivalent of a car part would be, but like, well, this doesn't count. It's Saturday and it, you know, I just was at the store and just picked it up. Yeah, yeah. It's just, just a couple spark plugs as a treat. <laughs> um, yeah, I, so I'm sure Tim's doing a lot of that, but mm-hmm. um yeah, I, well, I'm glad it's coming out of his budget, for one thing, because at least it's going towards something useful. Yes, I'm I'm just so proud of Jill for establishing and enforcing that boundary on their finances. Like, now I have a yes. window into how their marriage is able to stay afloat. <laughs> uh, agreed. Yeah. Well, so then, unless you have anything else, that it's tool time now. Uh, no, I do have something. Um, oh. We haven't talked about the grunt creep a lot this season. And no, we haven't. I he he starts the episode well Brad starts the episode by checking his hair in the mm. reflection of the microwave but behind him the grunt creep is walking in on stilts yep and I think the show as well is just like have has kind of forgotten about him and he's just kind of been left to his own devices he's not incorporated into the scenes in any way shape or form he's just kind of like practicing his own you know stunt skills and and not yeah, and not learning much given that he still keeps falling down his his most defining characteristic other than that yeah. he is shaped like the name of the show is that he is almost never not falling off of something he falls it's off of weird, the stilts. He, he i mean granted he has like little spindly legs but he is like his center of gravity is the center of, like he's bottom heavy <laughs> yeah, he's got a, he's got you know he's thick. He's he's got uh, junk in the trunk, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, and I don't know if it's junk in the trunk because we've seen him open his front a few times to pull out junk. <laughs> he's got junk in the frunk, uh, and and again, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> if if grunt work goes down in history for one thing, I want the Urban Dictionary <laughs> definition credited to us: frunk. Yeah, it's uh, it's the it's the front junk. I, I mean, Landon, I I am I am. It it breaks my heart to tell you that I did not invent the word frunk. I saw it uh, on the uh, indicator panel on a friend's Tesla because uh, on a Tesla you can open the front of it and put things in there for your trunk. So I I have to. I it kills me to say this, but I think Elon Musk gets the credit for frunk in the trunk. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I know. I mean, he I bought would, the podcast. It, it, if it was anybody else. I know. Not not anybody else. I'm sorry. I can think of a few other people who we wouldn't want to. If, okay. if, if, if a former president in one of his broadsides against mm. his 2016 election opponent referred to her having junk in her frunk, I don't think we would have latched onto it or laughed <laughs> right, as okay, much as we did right. now. Okay, so on tool we, time. We have really gone off the deep end this is why we don't oh. talk about the grunt creep <laughs> Do you place the blame on the grunt creep yes it's him he made me be this way um okay tool well, time won't you 
Yes, I will, in fact. Uh, it's the salute to used cars. They've got Brad in attendance, and uh, Tim and Al and Heidi are explaining how you check a used car to make sure that it's in good working order, and then Tim is going to demonstrate how to haggle and get a good price. So they got an 88 Mustang GT out there. It looks great under the hood. They have the owner come out. She is an old lady, Mrs. McCready, I think. And uh, mm-hmm. Tim aggressively lowballs her uh, for the car to the point that she gets super angry at him. Uh, meanwhile, Al is eating one of the jelly donuts that she's baked to sweeten the deal and drips some on the manifold of the car. And then uh, ultimately, Brad makes an impassioned plea to the lady to please not walk away from the deal despite his dad's shittiness. And she agrees to sell the car to Tim and Brad for 500 over the asking price. Indeed. You know, tool time, won't you? Uh, I won't. Actually, I had a thought from the first scene that came up while you were talking. Okay, um, okay. Be, be very careful. You <laughs> might set me off again. I, I won't. It's just a, a, an interesting comment, because I've been wondering whether or not Brad was still dating uh, the older woman, Samantha. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, the college girl. And Yeah, and apparently he is, because he says that he's just going to call up Samantha and get her to, to drive that night. Yeah. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. Good for... The, yeah, the fact that Brad has a much older girlfriend hasn't I'm not much older but at that age it's kind of a big gap that that hasn't yeah. come up much lately I guess there's been other no, shit we going haven't on. seen her either yeah I know I mean honestly if I were I'd be but also maybe he's not having her over a whole lot because he's like the house is full of people and he's sharing a bedroom currently <laughs> I guess that's true yeah um okay back to tool time uh lots of comments to make here yeah yeah so I think I'm just going to start with the okay. fact that um, old ladies have given me baked goods before, not to brag or anything. I've never gotten homemade donuts, homemade <laughs> jelly donuts. That's an elaborate thing to bake in your own kitchen. So are you suggesting that Tim is onto something here by saying she's she's pulling a she's pulling at something? She's I sweetening mean, the deal, so yeah, to speak, in her I, favor? I, I mean, I hate to give Tim credit. I don't think, I mean, maybe, he, I think he's right for the wrong reasons. Like, maybe she picked up a box of donuts <laughs> on the way and is passing them off as her own. But for me, and we've, I think, every, I'm glad that this show has a lot of donut content, whether it's at Harry's Hardware or, or in this moment, because it's allowed me to talk a lot about and reveal the fact that if you give me a donut, I, I, I can, I'll kind of do whatever you want. Like, if someone, if someone <laughs> was selling me a car and they offered me a box of donuts and they asked me for like 500 more than the initially stated price i would probably give them the money because i'd be so psyched about donuts <laughs> even though you could spend that 500 dollars on so many donuts yourself i i mean sh- allegedly yes but these are the donuts in front of me a donut in the hand is worth uh 500 worth in the duncan um <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, so, you know, but I, I liked the old lady. I liked uh, I liked Mrs. McCready. I thought seeing yes. her work Tim over was really good. I thought she was a really funny performance. Uh, agreed, and uh, we'll go into her uh, in character actor corner, the actress. Um, but, yeah, she was a good foil to Tim here. Um, kind of just not... Kind of put, putting Tim in his place even before she, like, literally puts him in his place at the end. Yes. Uh, I... I like that Tim was just kind of because he says, "Okay, um, I can't." Uh, Mike McCready, yeah. you know, uh, we want to. We've we've brought the owner here, Mike McCready, and she comes out with the donuts, and he lo- takes one look at her. He's like, "Mike, you've done something with your hair." Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's pretty good. 
but she's the actual owner of it. It's her son's car, and uh, apparently it, it has an emotional attachment because it used to be her husband's car who has since passed away. So, And uh, she's pulling out all these stops to, like, make it uh, a difficult negotiation for Tim. Uh, yes, and, you know, if you would think that Tim would have some empathy for uh, someone having an emotional attachment to their car, given that this was something Tim went through three weeks ago in episode time? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, but at the same time, um, I, I mean, you use the word empathy there, which I think... Yeah. When it means whether or not Tim can have a car for himself, that word does not come into play. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's like it's like I'm I'm watching ballers and saying, why aren't these people talking more about Israel Palestine? Um, <laughs> so I, I do I do like I, I like Mrs. McCready also because I it's just kind of nice to get a representation of an old lady on a show like this who like I feel like you either get doddering old lady or you get mean old lady, and I like that this is a more uh, nuanced old lady of like yeah she's perfectly nice but then when Tim is mean to her she is just like mean back to him and and holds her own she's like yeah she's a nice person and you're being shitty to her and cause she's like capable and competent she's gonna dress you down and uh, extract more money from you and leverage your child's love against you to get that money like I, I don't know I, I like that it was I think it was a good well written role and I think she made the most of it I agree, and uh, there's a reason why she's so good, I think, uh, that we'll get into a little bit later. But Just nothing but um, foreshadowing this episode. <laughs> You're going to love the end of this episode. The, 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 it'll be over. This, the, skies, the skies were dark, for they were for, so overshadowed by the rest of our episode. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree. There, I, I don't know much more that I can add uh, to her or even the scene. Uh, outside of, like, we should talk about the what happens with the jelly donut because i was yes. shocked that that <laughs> became such a pivotal point in the episode i yes i the fact that it it all makes sense now like it because it requires so much uh kind of scaffolding of like she had to bring donuts with a distinctive filling al has to yeah. comment on the filling al has to dribble the jelly onto a specific part of the car it's a lot of uh, structural work that you don't normally see on this show to set it up yeah well and you know without knowing where it was going uh which i have to give this episode credit it kept me guessing from scene to scene <laughs> it, it was it, it had a certain simpsons energy of like the the scene the the show will start doing one thing and it'll lead you to a place completely far afield <laughs> um but without knowing that, watching the scene unfold, it's just like, okay, Al eating the donut because Tim needs to make fat jokes, and he does. Mm, oh, and, yes. you know, Al, who would never be unprofessional and drip fucking donut sauce <laughs> on a big block, you know, does because the show needs a laugh. And, like, it was kind of eye-rolly until, like, it all came together. I, I also, I do love that when she offers the donuts to Al, Al says at first, oh, no, ma'am, I'm working, as though, like, he's a cop on duty and she's offered him a beer or something uh which is probably what my initial response would be until learning the further detail that it's boysenberry jam and then just going hog wild um well yeah do you do you want what what filling would you not go hog wild for um i wouldn't go hog wild for marshmallow fluff probably or any sort of coffee Whoa. filling whoa uh, 
what what you would go hog wild for marshmallow fluff that's yeah oh landon oh dude this is <laughs> this is the greatest conflict that has ever come we do not agree we are not in agreement i oh no <laughs> this this season's tearing us apart <laughs> and over donuts too the thing that i thought i was the most like <laughs> accepting and accommodating of all types on Ugh. i think i think it's we've built too many corners in this show and it's just starting to lose its structural integrity <laughs> oh my god uh well you know <laughs> i it, hardly a surprise everyone could have seen this coming um so back home unless you want to continue dwelling on on your perverse donut opinions uh no I mean we we should say that they they solidify the deal I, I well I will kind of tie it all up by saying um once Brad makes his appeal to her she goes okay okay I'll sell it to you for for twenty five hundred dollars oh, yeah. uh and uh Tim goes really and she goes yeah plus the cost of the donuts he's like well how much do the donuts cost she goes two thousand dollars uh. Yeah, and then uh, what? What prompted her to say "bite me"? Because that oh. was also funny. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, like she's asking four thousand dollars for it, and Tim, you know, Tim first offers twenty five hundred, then he goes down to twenty four fifty, then he goes up to three thousand dollars, and he says, "That's my final offer." And she says, "Here's my final offer: bite me." And it's <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's really good. Yeah. Um, well, That's yeah, all I got for her. I, I just it was uh, I, I wanted to draw out some of the better parts of her performance. Oh yeah, and yeah, and and also yes, the the fact that that she initially because of of Brad's appeal, she makes it seem like okay, I'm going to give in to your lowest ball offer, but then then says no, actually, two thousand dollars for the donuts, you owe me forty five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's good. It's good. And, you know, yeah. donuts used to and own what's Tim. What's Tim negotiating about anyway? Benford's gonna probably pay for this fucking thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, because also it seems like a pretty good car for four thousand dollars, and uh, you know, it's in it's in great condition. Uh, yeah, and and what owner would drive their vehicle to a TV show to have it inspected top to bottom? If they weren't going to be guaranteed that it would be sold at the end, because then yeah. it's just being exposed to all of the area that they try to sell it in. If yeah. it doesn't turn up to be good, like something, something's amiss here. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you're going to spend your whole day driving your car to a location so a for profit TV show can generate content they will profit from on your car <laughs> with no guarantee that your car will be bought. Uh, yeah, that's um, it's not a great. I guess I that's one strike against Mrs. McCready for agreeing to this deal. But on the other hand, maybe she knew that she would have Tim over a barrel because he wouldn't want to have her walk away from the deal on set. <laughs> uh, an, a barrel or an oil drum? Oh yeah, it might get turned into a transition. That could be the last episode. <laughs> All right, let's go home. All right, so uh, back home, it is just a short scene. Uh, it's a couple weeks later. Uh, Brad comes we a, back. We get a donut mobile. Uh, oh, yeah. I should mention that. Donut mobile transitioning us back home. It, it we... looks like the, the quintessential uh, Simpsons donut, too, with the yeah, pink frosting. It, and It looks like, I feel like, is that a is that a thing in a Richard Scary book? A guy driving a donut car, or is that? Am I thinking of the little pig who drives the pickle car? I I, I feel like I've seen a donut car before. <laughs> are, you talk, are you talking about the the worm driving an apple car? Yeah, yeah, exa- yeah. Well, yeah, exa- well, no. There's let, let me tell you about Richard Scary's Busy Town. There are a lot of animals driving a lot of food shaped cars. There, yes, there's an apple car. There's <laughs> well, a pickle car. 
I, I have paused the transition, and I can verify that it is actually Mrs. McCready driving the donut car. They, <laughs> he, they grabbed a little screenshot of her and put her in the front window, like a little frosted window with a steering wheel. <laughs> Hell yes to this queen driving around in her donut car with her 4500 bucks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to screenshot this for you. I uh, No, I, I love that. I, I think that, uh, I mean, probably... Like if it doesn't pencil out for her to have two cars anyway. If you've got a donut car, you're not just gonna drive your your other car when that's sitting in the driveway. And also, other cars a donut. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna buy a car so I can put that bumper sticker on it. Um. Okay. But okay. So, back home. Yeah. Back home. I'm sorry. The donut car takes us home. I thought we even finished that scene. Um. It's a short <laughs> scene, but Brad has just come back with pictures that he's gotten developed. Uh. Because it's the '90s of him in the car, and he is showing them to Tim, and it's just like a son showing his father pictures of his newborn son, and they're kind of cooing over, you know, oh, this is this is after this is me washing him for the first time, and this is just us being silly and stuff I, like that. This made me cringe a little bit i'm not gonna lie yeah I, it didn't make me cringe but i was very much like okay i get the i get the bit and we're done and, okay and we're going and we're and this is the last nope okay we're still going with this <laughs> is that is that the scene or i mean that's the, I scene. Guess the mark mark thing is uh yeah yeah no this is just 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 two two dudes looking at car picks just just that one little bit yeah okay yeah, yeah i don't have any comments on it yeah outside it made me cringe yeah well there there we go that it's been covered and uh throw it in the archives boys um okay we we get a i mean i forgot we gotta i gotta do my due diligence i gotta start covering the transitions here yeah so that, that that takes us into a brad's first car scrapbook transition which then goes into the pot that mark is cooking from um in the next scene uh uh you'll you'll have to excuse me i am i'm just now looking at the donut car and not only is mrs mccready superimposed into the driver's seat of the donut car but also the whole of the donut is encircling mrs mccready's face in the previous scene so it's (laughs) really a beautiful bit of framing and and editing and um gosh i love television Tell me a little bit about Mark cooking. Uh, well, so Mark is making stew, and uh, Jill uh, comes by and tastes it and is shocked at how good it is. And uh, then Brad comes in, upset, breaking the domestic bliss, to inform everyone that his car has just been stolen from outside the high school. And um, so, you know, this everybody's very upset, and uh, he's called the police, and um, they're going to look for it, but he's really despondent because he doesn't want another car. He wants his car. He, you know, he has an emotional attachment to it. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, yeah. So it's it's a crisis at the Taylor house. What do you think? Um, I love Mark. Mark's yeah. Mark's my bud. Yeah. Uh, I've also gotten into making, well... A very specific kind of stew. Uh, I've gotten uh, into making chili, and I feel like I have we've, perfected it. Oh, really? You've perfected your chili? We've we've discussed your chili so. making recently, and yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I've made it uh, a number of times now, and I've refined the recipe, and I think, I, I think I've got the exact uh, specifications. Um, now, I... I haven't had anyone else besides myself taste it yet. That's the next step. <laughs> okay, I, I yeah, wanted to perfect it before I had someone else taste it. So. Okay, but that's also good. That's good. Uh, that's good product uh, liability stuff there. Um, <laughs> so you, so I, I love, I love, I love Mark, and I love yeah. that they're like, 
what's creative? Okay, let's give it to Mark. He needs something to do. <laughs> I I wish I kind of wish he was making a documentary about the stew, but I still I still like that he's <laughs> you know th- that he has these kind of just like uh, uh, god tier talents at certain creative tasks. <laughs> well, I don't know. I I um I don't have any memory of it, but I. I it does seem so left field that maybe I know I'm holding out hope. Maybe he's hidden uh, cameras around the house and he's filming himself and he's going to reveal some sort of big documentary showing all these moments <laughs> at the end of the season. I, I, yeah. And that's, and that's how he uh, gets the judge to let him be an emancipated minor. Um, <laughs> I, and, and so I know that in the past we've been critical of the, them roasting Jill's cooking bit. And I, yeah. I and I've, I probably even talked about this before, but I think I've just been worn down because now the jokes have gone beyond, uh, 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 gross, oh, this is awful, and and now it's actually pretty clever, because Tim, you know, Jill has tried the stew, she's amazed at how good it is, and she says, Tim, dinner's ready, and Tim comes in going, oh, I'm not really hungry, and Jill goes, I didn't cook it, and Tim goes, I am famished, and it's it's just, it's it's funny, it is constructed well, and it seems, and it's also... When it's not Jill slaving over a meal and everyone talking about how much it sucks, yeah. but it's Jill coming home from doing something and then we're alluding that, you know, yeah, Jill sucks at cooking, so other people have picked it up and no one is expecting her to do this thing. It's it's better. And, yeah, as you kind of alluded to, she's in on the joke. When she comes down to talk to Mark, she's like, oh, my God. She tastes it. She's like, oh, my God, this is delicious. What did you do? And he says, I didn't let you near it. And she's like, good thinking. Yeah. Um. It, it makes it a little more palatable. I don't like that Mark has just kind of internalized Tim's, you know, liberal nature of making fun of her cooking. But yeah. if we're going to go there, the fact that she owns it uh, makes it easier. Yes, true, true. Um, I like that Brad, Brad is, you know, he comes, he says, the car got stolen from right outside the high school. I always had a bad feeling about that place. <laughs> which it kind of feels like a Bob's Burgers joke, honestly, and that's that's a good thing. Yeah, I I, I do like he, he's like, and I had to I had to take the big yellow school bus home. Yeah, um, or he's like, I called the cops, and I'm so embarrassed, I had to take the big yellow school bus home. And Tim goes, Well, what did they say? And he's like, What's the cool kid doing riding the bus? <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of funny to me. It's really good. Yeah, I, I don't know. Brad, Brad is just in, enjoyable character. He's kind of he's he's dim in the right ways to be really, really funny. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and so then also something that I that I love is that Tim. You know, okay, so so Brad has called the cops. This is kind of all that can be done. But Tim goes, okay, well I know some guys down at the precinct. I'll give them a call and make sure they're doing it the right way. And he walks out of frame, and it's just like. What, what what is that? What what are you hoping to achieve, Tim? You're just gonna call and say, "Hey, you know how you're doing your jobs? Well, keep do, keep doing it." You know, I I'm not a cop, so I would know how how to do this. I, yeah, okay. I uh I don't feel like it's quite right to bring it up yet. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll we'll get there in a second. What what are you edging us towards, man? What are you like? Come on, stop <laughs> stop flirting like this. It's going to be so much more satisfying, man. Oh, oh, God. Yeah, guys, keep listening. It's it's really enticing already, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> well, but but then it but then it resolves in a funny way because we the scene ends with Tim on the phone to the cops and saying like, yeah, well, I just want to let you know I'm going to give free tool time tickets to the first people to find the people who did this. And he just kind of sits there perplexed for a while and just goes, 
excuse me, I feel I fail to see the humor in what I just said, which is pretty good. Uh, yeah, and we get some tool time tickets uh, transitioning us to the living room a little bit later. Tim is scooping up the last remnants of uh, Mark's stew. Yep, he is. Um, and yeah, Brad is just, Brad is still uh, upset. He's lamenting the fact that they put so much work into the car that's now been taken away. This is a lament, Landon. I know I've used it frivolously before, but this kid is lamenting so hard it'll make your head spin. Um, <laughs> and... You know, Tim is talking about all the other auto disasters he's had, but he's but he mentions he's never had a car stolen from him before, which is honestly kind of an achievement. You own a bunch of valuable classic cars. You live in a region of the country at a time period where there was a fairly high rate of auto theft, among other things. Yeah. You're street parking. I mean, you are living a charmed life. We already knew this. Um, <laughs> and there are some... Comments about to come up that really illustrate that, but go ahead. And then they get a phone call from the cops that they found the car, and uh, Tim says, don't take it to the impound, we'll come meet you where the car is. And I guess the cops say, yeah, sure, uh, all right, we'll just hang around waiting for you, we haven't got other stuff to do here in the Detroit area in the 90s. Um, yeah. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So this is just I, I I don't know. This is this just moves the plot right along. There's not much of a not much of a search process. Uh, it's just uh, it's just them fretting and then getting the getting the bad news. Fretting and getting. Yep, I don't have too much to comment on because uh, this is moving pretty quickly too. These scenes are are pretty breakneck speed here which is and again i was sort of like this is the episode keeping you guessing i was thinking okay brad's car has been stolen now this will be akin to that episode where brad gets in the car crash we're kind of okay this has been set out there there's something brad's nervous about and we're following like like in that episode it was jill worrying that about brad being out driving at night now this episode it's going to be brad worrying about what's happening to his car and we're at home the whole time nope nope that's not it no disguises in that idea, Truman. Idiot. And I, it, <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. The it's. I don't know how I feel about the episode, but I do enjoy the. I don't know it's just kind of a refreshing new pace to to you know experience with this show. I yeah, t- totally agree. It's just really exciting to not know where we're going next. <laughs> After eight seasons, you know, it can still surprise us. That's uh, that's impressive. Uh, yeah, it's gotta be yeah. doing something right. Exactly. It's like it's like in in Watchmen how Doctor Manhattan always knows what's gonna happen, but then there's that one scene where Ozymandias is using tachyons to blur his ability to see what's gonna happen, and he's saying, "Wow, this is actually really cool to be uh, surprised by things that are happening." I, I feel like we've reached Doctor Manhattan levels within the universe of home improvement by watching so much of it. <laughs> So much so that we are creating other realities. I exactly, yeah. We're yeah, we're creating we're creating our own worlds. We've left this planet behind. We're, we're tired of being tangled up in the improvement of its homes. Um. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, do do you have anything more? Do you want to just go to go to where the car has been stripped? Uh, yeah, I got nothing. In fact, there's not even a transition. Uh, I think it just it either quickly cuts or wipes to um. Where is this? An, just an alleyway? I don't, I don't know where the location of this is, but uh, they're standing in front of a, a stripped car. Yeah, they give they give like the the police give him an intersection, which I didn't write down because what good was that going to be for me? Franklin but, uh, and something. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, Franklin they... and Bash. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- those were cops. They should have solved the case. Oh, oh, oh shit. 
is left at the intersection of Rizzoli and Isles. Um, <laughs> but so they, uh, th- yeah, th- I think I think what prompts us to just the hard cut is Brad says something like, oh, man, I'm, or Tim says, you're going to be back behind the wheel in no time or something like that. And then we just mm-hmm. cut to completely stripped, junked, you know, husk of a car. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Tim is talking to a cop who explains that, uh, yeah, this case is not going to get solved because when a car has been chopped, it's really hard to identify the individual pieces. So the perpetrators of this will not be brought to justice. And, uh, Tim is really mad that there's nothing that he can do. So Tim goes on an impassioned rant that, uh, uh, he's going to go and do vigilante justice and he alone can fix it. And he's going to, um, make chop shops not exist again. And, um, yeah. So Tim declares that he's going to get revenge for this nonviolent property crime. Uh, the reaction from the audience made me really uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Tim, Tim, Tim ran, you know, like they, the cop has walked away and Jill has said, well, look, let's just all go home and get some sleep. And Brad is upset. And Tim, you know, Tim says, we got to do something. And, and Jill says, what? You can't, you can't do anything about this. And Tim goes, I'm the guy who delivered a baby after being crowned car guy of the year the same night. I'm the guy who built a lawnmower that can do 12 seconds in a quarter mile. I'm the guy that put a barbecue grill in geosynchronous orbit. So don't tell me there's nothing we can do. I'm the tool man. I can fix anything. Yeah, and the crowd is just on their feet cheering for this. Yeah, uh, you can hear the the rafters rumbling underneath their their thunderous stomping. Yeah, and who's going to pay for it? Mexico or Ohio or something. <laughs> Again, it's just it's this this is part of what makes the episode though kind of cute and endearing. It's just that like, yeah, I can see a time when when having your car stolen is just like the uh, like a traumatic event and like the like a sort like the worst yeah. thing that could possibly happen to your <laughs> to your kid who goes to school. <laughs> Well, okay, I'm going to, German, we're halfway through the episode, so now I get to start bringing out some of the foreshadowing. Oh, okay, uh, exciting. Uh, cashing those checks that I've been writing. Uh, <laughs> All right, hope it doesn't bounce. <laughs> have you ever had anything stolen from you? Uh, I had, a, God, this is stupid. I had a pair of Ray-Bans stolen from me that I was, <laughs> yeah, just get it out of your system, folks. <laughs> bunch of dicks all right i didn't know like i had just moved to la and i did i had bought one thing for i was like i'm gonna need good sunglasses people in oregon don't really invest in sunglasses because there isn't a whole lot of sun up there so i bought an expensive ish pair of ray-bans thinking this is gonna be my sunglasses forever and like six months in they got stolen like i left them like sitting somewhere on a pa shoot to come back to you like on a film set or on a reality tv shoot and somebody swiped them out of a van and i was very upset um, and I think they got chopped and I think the lenses wound up in one pair of Ray-Bans <laughs> and the shades got uh, melted down and turned into a vape cartridge. <laughs> Someone's wearing a pair of Bayrans right now. Um, <laughs> what about you? What, have you had anything stolen from you? I, well, I mean, I've had a pair of Ray-Bans fall out of my pocket in a movie theater. And when I got home and called the theater and said, Hey, I think I, my, sunglasses fell out of my pocket i know exactly what theater they're in can i go can i come by and and pick it up and have them say oh we didn't find anything i'm like okay but i know that they're they fell out of my pocket in that theater in that seat so can i just come and get and they're like no we didn't get anything i'm like (laughs) seriously (laughs) you're gonna make you're gonna make me 
not have my pair of Ray-Bans again because of this. The, the person on the phone looking very cool wearing their sunglasses inside <laughs> as they talk to you. Their brand new, slightly gum-encrusted sunglasses. Oh, God. Okay, but what, uh, but, yeah. but it can't just be sunglasses that have been stolen from, from us. What Have you got something better? Yeah. Well, okay, so I have two, two things. One, um, I had a... <sighs> oh, no. <laughs> it, it was... I guess it... Th- is it considered a break-in to your car if you left the car unlocked? Yeah, it's considered a break-in. Also, oh, honey. But also, yeah, I think that still counts as a break-in. Like, it's it your space. The, here's the thing. is, It was like the day before we went to a bachelor party. So I had stopped at Costco and got like a 24-pack of beer and put it in the trunk. And as I was coming down the next morning to drive to the bachelor party, I opened the trunk to put my suitcase in there. And I'm like... No, wait a minute. I thought I had a 24-pack of beer. <laughs> <laughs> wait. Oh, my God, though. But if you were, like, a person just checking trunks at night in an alleyway on the fly just to see if you find anything good, and you open a trunk and find 24 cans of beer, that, for me, assuming I am a, a – whether you're a professional criminal or just a person who's down on their luck, finding a whole bunch of beer is a pretty good find. You made some guy's well, night. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, but why did they have to take every single piece of paper out of my car, including a old photo of my grandparents that I found uh, that my grandpa kept in his truck? Oh, OK. Well, that's 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 and bad. So that's... I spent the, like it would be one thing if I mean, OK, so this could have been so much worse. Like I could have they could have broken in, you know, through the window and then I had a broken window and all that shit. So like I, on one level, OK, there's no damage done to my car. On the other level, there's like an existential thing of, I don't know what pieces of paper I had in my car. Did yeah. I have registrations in there? Did I have my address? Did yeah. I have, you know, like, so I'm just worried about my identity being stolen for, mm. I, I still worry about it to this day. I'm like, <laughs> I, I check my credit score all the time. I'm like, is there any new credit cards being opened in my name? I had to get the lock changed on my apartment because I think, oh, um, shit. I wasn't sure if I had a, a spare key in there or not. So that that whole thing sucked. And, of course, there's nothing anyone could do about anything. What, are they going to go identify a pack of Miller Light, you know, 24-pack <laughs> of Miller Light somewhere? Yeah, I mean, that's the champagne of beers, officer. I know it where I see it. Uh, I mean, more, more specifically, though. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, I, I was just going to say we, um, my family, when I was a kid, someone stole the radio out of our car while it was parked in our driveway. Uh, but they, they didn't take all the paper out of our car, but on the back of a receipt in our car, they left us a note saying, I'm very sorry, I needed money. So, oh, wow. That's the level of, of polite criminality you get in suburban Oregon. Um, <laughs> that's who. I, that that kind of hurts to hear. I, yeah, exactly. Like you can't you can't go into full vigilante justice mode when you when someone leaves you a note explaining the pressing dire economic yeah. conditions that forced them to take your car radio. Um, no, but I, I can't. Yeah. I can't. I can't speak to Detroit, but L.A. is a different place. L.A. is a different place than Detroit. <laughs> well, I mean, mentally, it yeah. feels like everything in L.A. is against you at all times. Very true, and so. I did have my bike stolen there. Uh, mm. My bike stolen at a place that I had ridden to that was like five miles away. So, oh shit! I and everyone, the place that it was stolen from, they offered to give me a ride home. This is kind of what I was going to get around to: is being able to identify to some degree with the the 
vigilante nature of it. Because mm-hmm. everyone was like, let us give you a ride. Let us give you a ride. Let us give you a ride. And I'm like, nope, no. You're nope. <laughs> I need I need to walk this off. But in my head, I'm like, I'm gonna look down every motherfucking street for my motherfucking bike on mm. my motherfucking way home. <laughs> and if I find the motherfucker that stole my motherfucking bike, I'm gonna have some fucking words to say to them. Uh <laughs> And I'm glad I didn't find them because, my God, what a dangerous game that was. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that the, the people the people boosting bikes have probably been in some scraps before and could probably hold their own. Um, yeah. I, that would, so you you never found the bike? Did you, like, did the no. cops find yeah, that Because it, that, it really does work the same way in L.A. as I think it worked with cars, where, like, if your bike gets stolen, it it will get taken under an overpass and parted out immediately, and you just never find yeah. it. Like, it's it's gone. I'm sorry to... Oh, yeah. I'm sorry to say that and make you think about that more. I mean, I I know how much a person can get attached to a bike. I mean, I, I can't even remember if I called the cops. I I think I did, but I mean, I don't know if you've ever called the cops in L.A. It's, <laughs> it's just like, not what do you fun. want? If you can get through after two hours, they're like, what's your problem? What's your emergency? I'm like, my bike was stolen. They're like, yeah. <laughs> and? <laughs> Are you okay? Did you get hurt? What's 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 your problem? Are you being murdered by O.J. Simpson right now? Otherwise, uh, we don't really help. And even in that case, we're not much good. I, I've had oh, I've had full on crashed cars on my street in like the dark with no like there's no street lights and there's like an obstruction and cars coming around the corner having to swerve to avoid it. And I've been on hold with the cops for like 45 minutes saying like, can you just send a car with flashing lights on it out here to block the road so we don't get more cars hitting the already crashed cars. And they're like, no, fuck you. <laughs> anyway. I, I, the, the longer I lived in L.A., the more I realized what a razor's edge that place is. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. No, we were... We, I was I was talking to Landon earlier about how Rome is sort of a rage-inducing city, and I'm, I'm realizing I've been living in my own version of that for over 10 years now. <laughs> I'm I'm al- I'm always one car almost hitting me in a crosswalk away from becoming some kind of pedestrian centric Charles Bronson out for revenge. <laughs> okay. Um let's end the scene and get back to the episode. Um uh, one I don't know. I, okay, I don't want to dwell on this, but I'll I'll just point this out as it starts a, a string of unfortunate doesn't age well moments. Okay. Where as Tim has his knuckles on his, you know, arms akimbo with his, you know, um, mob mentality, you know, screaming his, his, you know, uh, his manifesto to the world. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Just cheering him on. Um, Jill goes, okay, that sounds good, but, uh, zip up your fly first. Yeah. (laughs) Zip up your fly and let's go home. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. Do we need to acknowledge the news that happened? I mean, it was a thing. No, just, you're right. This, we, this joke doesn't age well. We do. We do. Yeah. We okay. We, yes, we batch it because we we batch recorded episodes, and I left the country just in time for uh, Pamela Anderson to come forward about something that Tim Allen did, e.g., exposing himself to her uh, backstage at Home Improvement, which we have to say allegedly. Allegedly, yes. Although it's interesting that we read, uh, we read Pamela Anderson's uh, semi-autobiographical, uh, fictionalized account of her stardom, yeah. in which the Tim Allen analog does the exact thing that she mentioned. So, corroborating, which, considering means. my intellect level, I might also have to say allegedly to that. Yeah, it, yeah, okay. I, I allegedly read it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. 
<laughs> we were we were everybody was skimming back then. We didn't want to let too much sink in. The point is, um, yeah, happened. Not cool. Um, uh, don't do that. And we're gonna keep covering the show because, goddamn it, we've been here for this long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, well, and it's just... it, the whole thing has kind of become a mess. Because she's like, well, he can't tell the truth because of cancel culture. And it's like, okay, that was a, just like this episode, a direction I didn't expect (laughs) this whole thing to go, but okay. Much uh, much like most episodes of Home Improvement, that tidbit did not make it to Italy. I'm not aware. Okay, they're they're both, uh, it's it's becoming, it's becoming very mixed and muddled now. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Okay, so So, one uh, fly zip joke that didn't age well into the next scene, which is uh, we get a zipper transition to the commercial. (laughs) We come back out, and Mark is making a souffle. Yes, Uh, and um, Tim is trying to tip off the cops on the phone that he heard about this uh, auto body shop that has been selling stolen Ford parts, but the cops tell him, no, we, we... don't just like go arrest. We're not your private army, sir. We need a warrant and evidence. And so Tim uh, comes up with the idea of going to the chop shop and checking it out himself, which Jill thinks is crazy. Um, yeah. So, um, so the the mania is increasing. <laughs> it is. I did not expect the scene at all. I, I, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be too surprised considering Tim rented spy gear. <laughs> At one point in the past. Uh, So I guess I shouldn't put it past him, but... Again, this is another place in the episode where I was like, wait, how has this not happened before? Like, why is this the first time in eight years that Tim has gone out and tried to solve crimes? Because this is totally in line with his character. He absolutely... I buy immediately that he would do this. And I'm just surprised it took us... And I'm like, oh my God, Tim is going to solve a mystery. Why does like you could get you could do like three episodes a season out of this like to to bring up Bob's why, is it, why is it not a trope you mean like why is it not a, a seasonal trope uh, yeah just like why why is uh, not even like a, like oh it's the Halloween episode but just just use that that's just a fun bit to have a character solve a mystery I to bring up Bob's Burgers again I realized just watching the show you know intermittently jumping in and out there's a lot of episodes where they solve a mystery. Like, it's just, and, you know, some of them are funny, some of them not so funny, but it's just, that's a reliable thing, having uh, sitcom characters have to solve a mystery, and I'm surprised that they never, they never, you know, flexed those muscles more on this show. Yeah, at least not so directly like this, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, a bummer. Yeah, uh, yeah we really suffered. A, a, Mark, Mark is making a souffle here. Yes. I don't quite understand the joke of this one because he's he's putting the souffle in the oven and tim and jill are arguing and mark just intermittently says excuse me i'm putting a souffle in the oven as if it's like so delicate that they can't handle its argument the their argument so okay like here on here on uh truman's baking corner let me explain uh when a souffle like a souffle uh, is very delicate when it's in the oven, in fact, and so, like, loud noises or commotion or something like that can potentially make the souffle collapse. Like, and I think it was a trope in a lot of, like, old, you know, kids' shows and stuff written by people who grew up in the 50s when their moms were baking souffles, where it's like, no, you can't run and shout because, you know, mom scolding kids, don't don't shout because the souffle is going to fall or something like that. Whereas... I think it's more just like you can't like shake the oven too hard or anything or the souffle might collapse. Oh, I guess Tim is sitting on the counter. 
I mean, well, Tim, but Tim, like, Tim was already sitting on the counter. Brad is mainly concerned about his parents raising his voices to each other, which to me suggests maybe, like, maybe there's deeper issues at play and Mark doesn't <laughs> want to see them fighting and he's using the souffle as a mask for his own feelings. Don't think I'm going to let that dollar in the jar pass there. Wait, who did I say? You said Brad, but that's okay. Um, well, I'm going to throw a euro in the jar. I don't have any dollars at the moment. <laughs> uh... Okay, well, that, I did not know that about souffle, so uh, look who's learning now. <laughs> name the... of my episode, <laughs> my, my meta episode of current work covering an episode of Tool Time. Home improvement. Dollar in the jar for me. Oh, God, my God. Damn. Oh, these, these jars are getting heavy, dude. Uh, it's, well, I guess <laughs> we're doing this place is falling apart. When do we're like so... jars on shelves in corners. <laughs> Everything is just so slapshotly made. Jars on shelves in corners, and then you're filling them with <laughs> absurd amounts of money because we keep just bungling basic shit. Uh, <laughs> do you think? Do you think Tim Allen got jealous of Jerry Seinfeld's comedians and cars getting coffee, and then would start his own show? Jars on shelves and corners. <laughs> it's so stupid. Why did I even go there? Okay. That, that, okay. So wait. So okay. The, so the concept is that because <laughs> Tim Allen is upset nope, that nope. he didn't come up with comedians in cars getting coffee, he would make his own show. But instead of involving cars, it's just jars in shelves in corners. <laughs> we don't need to examine it any closer. I, you're right. I, you're right. I'm sorry. I just wanted to make that you were you were laughing as you said it and breaking up, and I wanted to make sure that the people at home just get the same logic bomb that my brain did <laughs> um, it, it's been a month you expect me to be any kind of coherent while doing this let's go let's go visit wilson yes let's tim is talking to wilson uh and uh explains about how he's feeling helpless because of everything that's happened to uh to brad's car and you're thinking maybe wilson is going to give tim some advice about how to accept that you're powerless in this world and you need to move on with things no instead wilson mentions donuts and then that clues tim into something and says wilson you're a genius and he runs out of scene it's true yeah i was very bewildered here uh by this um because there's no indication at all <laughs> like i feel like someone that has a revelation like this the audience is kind of is, is usually like on board with oh i see what's gonna happen but no this just continued the trend in this episode that was like uh what the fuck does donuts have to do with anything? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it sort of became clear for me in this moment where they were going. And I just thought, okay, I, I'm, I, I don't know. I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I cracked the case at this point. Um, <laughs> I, I did think that he was going to go find Mrs. McCready for something, but uh, I did not put together the drip donut on the big block. I, well, at first what I thought was like, oh, wait, shit, did Mrs. McCready steal the car because she was pissed at Tim? She got the car chopped, <laughs> which would have been a much better ending if, if she oh RF'd Tim like that because we never find out who stole it. Um, yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Well, I, as far as Wilson, uh, you know, like, we, I feel like even this season we've seen him get upset before, so they're kind of playing the same note again. Yeah, he, when, you know, uh, Wilson is relating the time that his unicycle got stolen by a neighborhood bully and sold, and Wilson gets, just the joke is just Wilson getting super angry about the memory and kicking snow around, and it's like, well, this is just kind of scary, guys. There's not even a joke <laughs> in this. Of course he's mad about his unicycle getting stolen. Um, yeah, I still get kind of uh, uppity about my bike getting stolen. 
Yeah, no, I, I don't blame you. I mean, I yeah, I'm still mad about those Ray Bans. I I hold I hold all kinds of grudges. Basically, I know you do. if if anything if anything has ever happened, uh, if you've ever seen anything happen to me, I'm still mad about whatever that thing was. If you ever did anything <laughs> to me, I'm still mad at you for it. Uh, you know, uh, don't 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 anyone dare cross me. I'm a menace. Uh. We get a, a car transition to backstage tool time. Heidi's coming in, and Tim's looking at himself in the mirror, but holding his hand over his face. Yep. And uh, then he removes his hand, and we see he's got a fake mustache on, and he explains to Heidi that he and Al are going to go undercover to the chop shop to look for the stolen parts. And he then, Al comes out with a spy camera rigged up to his hat. So uh, very obviously, yeah. Yes. Um... Tim and I, I feel like they, they could have squeezed a little bit more out of Al being so nervous about doing something illegal that he doesn't know how to do it well. Yes. But I'm not going to complain about any kind of Richard Karn that we get. No, neither, neither will I. But yes, this is the same Al who is too too nervous to act opposite Morgan Fairchild. Of course he's going to be nervous acting opposite a couple of criminals who uh, who, you know, might beat him up if he does not do well. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would just say that seeing Tim Allen with a mustache flashes me back to a certain mugshot of Tim Allen that goes viral oh. on the internet every few months. That's true. Yep, okay. Well, I, we don't have to go there, but uh, I was trying to picture, like, did he ever have a t- mustache in a movie? Like, why Why does this look somewhat familiar? It, it, it looks, that's that's it, it. That's the it, thing. That's the, that's, I think, the only time that he had a mustache is in that one picture. Um, <laughs> and in this and in this episode. Um yeah, but so, and Heidi thinks this is a terrible idea. She is just not happy that they're doing this. Uh, yeah, we get a we get a zoom into um some night vision spy goggles taking us to the next scene where Tim and Al have a little bit of a voiceover, I guess, talking about how ridiculous these costumes look. Truman, what what's happening here, and how did it make you feel? This is actually. It made me feel great. This is actually, I think, the funniest moment of the episode. There are two. We start with two women facing away from the camera. Uh, you know, so you just long hair and short skirts. I think there's the implication that they might be sex workers, but they're facing away from the camera, and we just hear Al's Al's voice going, "I don't think these costumes are gonna work," and Tim going, "I disagree. I think they look great." And the audience starts cracking up. Then the two women turn and walk away, and they have been standing in front of the camera so that they perfectly block. Tim and Al, who are wearing goofy but at least gender uh, matching disguises for them, and um, so it made me feel great because I'm just like, that's a good, that's a good bit. You you teased one <laughs> joke and then it turned out to be another. That's very clever. Yeah. That's my favorite bit in the episode. How did it make you feel? Um, I I, I mean, joke wise, neither here nor there. Um, I guess logistically, I didn't quite understand what these two women were doing there. Just, just standing there, standing there, just looking, looking at Tim and Al. <laughs> I, I mean, we've learned from the episode where they go to the singles bar that that Tim at least has a certain magnetism to him, and that the ladies love Al. So yeah, maybe they just saw a couple local celebrities and were ogling them. Well, I, I, when they decide to walk away, they look at each other and kind of shake their heads in like disappointment, or not disappointment, but like whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, is maybe they're maybe they're shaking their heads because they've seen Al with a, an afro and Tim wearing a leather baseball cap and glasses. Yeah, uh, uh, I don't know how to feel about Al's hair, <laughs> his hair piece here. 
Look, as someone who who uh, watched Trading Places with his parents at Christmas, oh, yeah. um, I can say that th- I'm just ca- counting it as a win that that Al's skin color is the same uh, as it was in a previous scene. That's that's all. That's all okay. I'm going to comment on there <laughs> with regards okay, to the right. hair. Um, uh, Al has a, a spy cam. Uh, I, it's meant to, I guess, be a look like a button or something. But he's yeah. wearing this big puffy parka. So I don't know if it's just kind of like jostled into his coat or something, but Tim what? speaks into it. But yeah, and, and he's got like a fanny pack that I guess has the tape in it or, or something yeah, like the that. recorder. Um, but yeah, Tim, pretty, pretty sophisticated stuff for 1999. I, I know. I mean, well, I, I guess Binford has access to the best of the best. These are just holdovers <laughs> the from when they, spy... <laughs> yeah, the Binford spy line. Yeah, the, the yeah the Binford stalkers toolkit, the 6100 stockomatic. <laughs> um, Yikes. But, uh, yeah, so Tim explains what they're going to do into the spy camera, and then Al turns the camera around to himself and says, Mother, if anything happens to me, you can have all my John Tesh albums. Which, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I know that it's cheap jokes about Al and his mom, but I, I do like that Al is a John Tesh fan. That fits. It does fit, yeah. And I, I, I don't know, I just like picturing Al getting down to the NBA theme. I mean, I mean like, that's his amp-up music. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's either, you know, it used to be square dancing, but then John Tesh really opened his eyes to a whole new world of sonic <laughs> pleasures. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, do you have do you have more for this? This is just kind of them gearing up no, for, pretty quick. for the the sting. Yeah, let's go inside. Yeah. Well, um inside the shop, they uh, go in and they talk to the guy behind the counter saying they're looking for an 88 Mustangs manifold and he directs them over to where it is. Uh, and Al recognizes that the other dude in the shop is one of the guys who they saw when they went to jail uh, for scalping tickets to uh, <laughs> waiting for Godot. And uh, so then they find a manifold with a jelly donut stain on it, which Al confirms by licking it. And then they uh, go to buy it for $100 in cash. And uh, they find the owners of the shop find Al's camera. But then the police burst in, having been called by Heidi ahead of time. And... Uh, yeah, and then they give the cops all the evidence, and uh, everything seems to work out. Um, okay. I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please proceed, Commissioner, Counselor. Uh, this is one of the most popular TV shows on television. Yes. Um, they don't need to be sponsored. They, what, what, they don't need to be sponsored, as in... Like, not like a podcast does, like, we need to keep our mics plugged in so we have people sponsoring the show so that we can continue to do it. Yeah. Or by sponsor, I guess, of our patrons, we, we don't actually have a, spo- a product placement, but... What, Red Wings play so heavily into this that the chop shop has a massive Red Wings symbol on the side of its, like, cash register. There's, they're not, I mean, the Red Wings aren't sponsoring them. If anything, just Tim Allen or some Red Wings fan is putting that stuff up, like, in the in the props crew. Like, that's not. I, I, it, it almost feels like someone's getting on the side season tickets to the Red Wings. They're like, 
Oh yeah, I can get you. I, I can get you. I get you some airspace on our on our TV show. I'm, I'm not okay. I'm sorry. I'm not the one. I'm not the one to weigh in on this. Sports aren't my thing. But to my knowledge, sports teams aren't like normal products where it's like, oh, I'm looking for a new water softener. I see a commercial for a new brand of water softener. Oh, good. I know that's there. I'll get that. It's not like someone's watching TV going like, I need a hockey team to support, but I don't know which one. I don't have any strong feelings. Oh, hey, well, there's one in Detroit saying. Red Wings. This is symbol. They're the ones who throw the That's octopuses. I love that. Oh, okay, great. Now I'm going to support the Detroit Red Wings. Well, I mean, no, I don't know. You need to sell tickets. You need to, I don't know. There's a, The Red Wings were kind of big at this time, so I could see, like, uh, uh, having the one show that's set in Detroit kind of amplifying, you know, your city spirit for your team. Uh and someone, you know, getting season tickets on the side I mean, for it. I mean, look, I think that I think that definitely someone involved with the show who's from Michigan had civic loyalty and loved the team and put that up, and it was also a good bit of set dressing. I just, I don't think that I don't think that like anyone at the Red Wings organization is doing anything other than like writing a thank you letter or like organizing this ahead of time. I don't think <laughs> nor, putting season tickets in that letter. Nor do I think that when Doctor Cox on Scrubs would always wear a Detroit Red Wings jersey when he wasn't on duty in his scrubs i don't think that uh i don't think the detroit red wings had a hand in that i don't think that they were telling uh bill lawrence hey get some uh, get some red wing shit on 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 your show and we'll give you <laughs> we'll, sl- we'll slide you some season tickets on the dl <laughs> i don't know i just say it's, it's a suspicious amount of red wings content here because you got the you got the octopus while tim is wearing a red wing shirt at that time you've got tim wearing a leather red wings hat right now with a red wings logo on the side of a cash register that has nothing to do with Tim or the octopus from before, there's no reason there needs to be another Red Wings thing there. Uh, okay, I guess I guess Detroit Red Wings reference court is now in session. Honorable Judge Landon Solano presiding. <laughs> Fucking taking this shit down. The defense rests. You're, you're just blowing the, the lid off. What, what am I? Well, I don't know what I, I am. You're the, you're the judge. You're just sentencing the Detroit Red oh. Wings to, to I guess, uh, product <laughs> placement jail. They can't they can't appear in things. I, no, I don't. I actually don't put it on the Red Wings. I'm putting it on whoever is benefiting from this show who is, you know, they don't need the money. So they're clearly like someone's getting paid off to put it, all this Red Wing content on, it, it, on the show. You're you're approaching QAnon levels of kind of complicated <laughs> conspiracy here. Like we're, Listen, we're I think Randy Quaid has got some really interesting ideas. <laughs> we're go Red Wings. Uh, we go all, I guess. Um, so, OK, do, do I mean, do, do you have I mean, do you, do you want to keep building out your kind of corkboard no. yarn connections on the Detroit Red Wings involvement with the production of Home Improvement, or should we no, no, get no, I to... Think I, I think I've teased out enough details for, for our listeners to pick up the pieces and uh, continue with it. This is what Landon has been foreshadowing by, the whole episode, by the way, guys. He's been foreshadowing <laughs> Detroit Red Wings conspiracy theories. I bet you're all glad you continued to waste your precious hours on this earth listening to us talk. Uh, uh, so, I don't know. I, I love that uh, I love how nervous Al is in this, and I love that once they yeah. once they find the manifold and Tim identifies the stain, Tim is like, Al, lick it. You gotta lick it so we know that it's the same jelly. And <laughs> Al is licking it, and then we immediately, he's trying to be discreet, but immediately one of the guys up front is like, hey, why is he licking the manifold? And Tim just goes, <laughs> it doesn't make him a bad person. And it's like... <laughs> It's just so it's just so funny. It's so brilliantly delivered. 
And it's just that's all we need. No, no other defense. It's it's very weird. Like it's not even a typical home improvement joke. Yeah, yeah, it's really not. Like it. it I I don't know. I I'm I, I applaud whoever wrote it, and I applaud Tim Allen for delivering it in the spirit with which it was written, and not trying to <laughs> put a hat on top of it. Yeah, um, a Red Wings hat. Oh God, Landon. Okay, so. They get the guys on camera saying it'll be $100 in cash for it, so they've got him dead to rights. And then Al goes to pull his money out of his fanny pack, but he pulls the camcorder thing out by accident. And the guy behind the counter goes, is that some kind of video recorder? And Tim goes, no, it's his artificial heart. And, uh, and the guy goes, he keeps his artificial heart in his fanny pack. And Al just goes, HMOs, what are you going to do? And then he just starts, like, punching his chest to, like, try and get his heart started again. <laughs> <laughs> Again, just like it feels like it's coming from another show, uh, it, it, which I don't know. I, I like I it, it just so uncharacteristic of this show and so weird. This is why we need them solving more mysteries. It's funny when characters <laughs> on shows put on disguises and try to trick people. And when they think and when there's a credible risk of them getting their asses kicked, it's like it brings out great <laughs> stuff. Um, I like when Al is trying to get the uh, the footage of the two of them, and he's just, like, puffing his chest out and moving back and forth real quick. Like, uh, could you say that again? You yeah. Know, asking, uh, you know, for a cash down payment or something like that. $100 in cash? $100 in cash. <laughs> um, yeah, it was funny. So the, the, the dudes are about to beat them up over this when the door bursts open and two cops come in and they announce, we got a call from someone named Heidi that there was a problem here. And I'm just thinking like, okay, guys, I hope that you're not like busting into drug dens and going like, hey, we got a tip off from somebody named John Smith that there is a, you know, that there is a, uh, <laughs> that there was a drug operation here. Yeah, he lives in the apartment down the street. I think he's in apartment number three. <laughs> Like, just announcing the names of who's tipping them off about crimes going on. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Which is why, I, I don't know, whenever I did call the cops in L.A., I never gave my name, even though I'm sure they could look it up from my phone number, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> you think they're gonna just, they're gonna just barge into places and say, Landon Solano told us that you were here. Well, yeah, <laughs> I know, like, I had to call the cops on a neighbor once or twice, and I'm like, I don't want them to tell them which neighbor called, so I'm oh, not gonna I, tell okay, you that's... Is. Okay, that's, you know, A, that's actually a good point. B, not trusting the LAPD to do the right thing. Also, uh, very, very smart and, and wise. Um, they didn't, I mean, they did nothing. They didn't even show up, so. Yeah, it's because it's like, well, we we, we knew that Art Vandelay was a fake name. Clearly, this guy didn't, uh, he wasn't being on the level with us. Right. But so they, they, you know, they explain what's going on to the cops. They give them the camcorder. You know, here's the evidence. Take them away, boys. And I I did some research because I'm not sure oh, yeah, if that your would legal hold research. up. Yeah, my legal <laughs> research. Because basically, in California and a lot of other states, you can't record someone without yeah. their knowledge. Like, that's a crime. This was, this was a, a big thing that actually came up uh, right at the start of the pandemic when we all started having video meetings. Yeah. Where uh, we... It had to be you had to be very explicit. And that's why I think Zoom and a few other places like uh, implemented the second that you start recording, other participants have to hit a, a OK button. Yes. Before, um before it can go forward. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and it's like so some states, both people in a conversation have to consent to being recorded for that to be that court then to be legal and admissible in court. Other states, it's not that way. Uh 
And so I looked, and it turns out, uh, th- as as the content gets uh, riveting and even more interesting than it was before, it turns out Michigan is very complicated about that. Technically, both parties have to consent, but there is an exception if you are a participant in the conversation, you can record it without telling people. So it seems like legally... So you you can't just be a fly on the wall recording someone else voyeuristically. Yes, that is correct. You can't put okay. a you can't put a wiretap in someone's house or something like that. Mm-hmm. But if you are I talking have some footage, I got to get rid of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, well, listen, I wouldn't I wouldn't rat you out unless the footage is of me, in which case, yes. Is I, it, I, <laughs> how much more complicated does it get if I have illegal footage in Michigan that I've taken out of the state that's legal in another state? Uh, you know, I think in that case, uh, I th- I think basically there's there's no law against it if a dog is taking the footage. So that's that's the loophole <laughs> okay, you have good, to exploit. Good. Get Great. a very cooperative golden retriever. Um, okay. Uh, uh, yes, but so uh, by the way, that's uh, the 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 movie about Airbud placing private listening devices in people's houses. That's called Airbug. Uh, so legally not culpable like uh, th- this would be admissible in court but he would be on shaky ground and a lawyer would have to look at it for a minute before he could say yes it was legal yeah for I, to I do think this. it's i think it would be less about the uh legality of the recording so much as the method in which he got it by impersonating another like that's that's a legit i this is the one thing that i went to um jury duty about uh and didn't end up serving but um yeah they the prosecution and the defense were interviewing the jury box asking you know do you have any strong feelings about a, a cop impersonating somebody else in order to do their job so that's i think the more interesting uh, aspect of this okay okay well yes but but what's crucial here is that al is not a cop and nor nor is tim and there's no law <laughs> well, against putting on a, a disguise this is this is why are you sure about that yeah no no it, there's no law against putting on a disguise this is why every episode of scooby-doo is legally dubious so to speak because <laughs> those are people putting on you keep putting on a ghost mask and running around your private property you don't get taken away by the cops at the end for that like it, pretending to be a ghost isn't illegal <laughs> especially on your own property so that why are they always what getting if you're arrested? doing a business what if you're doing a business transaction while impersonating somebody else i mean it's a cash transaction okay. so i mean and also well, it's like okay it's, this here's you're, you're not buying property though it's not like you're misrepresenting something for tax purposes like it's just a transaction okay. of goods it doesn't matter if you're wearing a wig or not that doesn't make so, it's not illegal to go to best buy and say my name is is steve when it's actually jim you're saying i just want to make sure i'm clear that i can wear a fake mustache and a wig, and go buy Twizzlers at my local grocery store, and I won't get in trouble. There's the, there's literally nothing the cops can do. You have free reign. It's like the purge. I mean, yes. look, I, all I'm saying is, uh, if it were if it were illegal to buy something using cash wearing a disguise, I, I don't think people would have ever gone to adult shops. Like, that's, I mean... <laughs> How many people in there have a baseball cap pulled down low over their eyes and sunglasses on? I spent loads of time in adult shops, so I I know this, and I keep, you know, a careful catalog of everyone I see there. But, I mean, that's... (laughs) That that whole industry is kept afloat by the legality of putting on a disguise to buy a thing. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. I worked at a a rental store for a month in my life, and yeah, yeah, people come in kind of... I mean, they don't wear trench 
coats with the collar popped and you know a, a fedora and sunglasses because <laughs> they unless they're Dick Tracy <laughs> coming into <laughs> coming in to pick up some <laughs> some new vibrators before he goes out and cracks the next case. <laughs> uh, no, but they are coming to rent Tracy Dick. Um, <laughs> but they do they do take some uh, they do put some effort in like. Not necessarily concealing themselves, but like looking, not making eye to- contact, moving quickly to the back of the store, going into the room and, you know, doing their business and, and coming out and, you know, I guess not making eye contact with you when they're checking out, but they do have to like confront you and say, hey, I, I'm, this is what I'm renting. Oh, this, this thing fell into my basket. I, I don't, I don't know. It seems as though the women in it are taking their clothes off. I don't know. I, I guess yeah. I'd have to watch it oh, just okay. to see. Oh, I, I suppose well, I'll put it back it. on the shelf for you if you didn't mean to rent it. <laughs> oh, no, I. I wouldn't want you to go all that way. I mean, I'm here. No, you're fine. here. Right back. I got no, this is, it's dead. It's the middle of the morning. <laughs> oh, no, no. Gosh, I don't know. It just seems like it would be it would be a waste. Of, I really should check and see, because if there is nudity in it, I would want to, you know, put a warning label on this for children and such. <laughs> oh, that is when they would come in. It was like very first thing in the morning when no one else was like the second we unlocked our doors, they would come in. <laughs> Listen, man, you got to, you know, start start your day off on a high note. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I do. Oh man! So uh, yeah, what else we got? They 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 break up the crime ring. Uh, they do through yep. vigilante justice, uh, and then we transition to the TV where uh, uh, they're watching at home the yep. news report on all of this. Yep. Um, oh, and- actually, no, that's not true. We the transition we get. I did want to bring this up. Yeah, is uh, th- they break up this ring? Okay, we get some jail bars coming down i can't remember they say something about like cleaning the streets or something like that Mm -hmm. and uh we get the binford man's kitchen thing again where the uh the the window the porthole with all the soap suds where benny's face came out of comes into frame again we had this transition once already this season i mean benny's face isn't there but the okay well then it's it's... immediately improved by the absence of benny's face (laughs) Agreed. I agree. But I'm just saying they're they're reusing their transitions. <sighs> Bastards, cheapskates. Uh, yeah. So you know the dudes have gotten busted, and Tim gives the boys some of the worst advice in the world that that this is why you shouldn't just sit around and be a victim. You need to act on your principles. Uh, just yep. Do vigilante justice. If something is stolen from you, it's a personal affront, and you have to go out and make it your whole life. And um, the kids. Um, leave and Jill laments just how how sad and tragic it is that kids have to grow up worrying about dark stuff like this happening to them and okay uh, yep <laughs> where do we start breaking this down I mean it's just it's no I mean I think Jill has a really good point you know uh, Brad getting his car stolen from outside the high school I mean like, yeah can you imagine kids feeling unsafe in their schools oh be terrible if something like that happened. I'm so bad that car theft is the reason that that ex- exists, and that's the only reason. Oh my god! This okay. I mean, uh, this is four months before Columbine happens. Oof. So, like, it really, uh, and not that this plays any direct way into that, but. To your very earlier point about six hours ago when we started this episode. Yes. <laughs> you said this is a very specific snapshot. And this was like, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of, re- I mean, because I was a senior at this time when this sure. was happening. And uh, I remember, or was I? No, I was just ending my junior year. Um, 
yeah, and I I could feel like the 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 safety of like before the world turned to shit, mm-hmm. starting with Columbine, and then you know a couple years later with nine eleven, et cetera, et cetera. We're in twenty twenty three now with I don't know how many. You, you, you don't need to recap since then twenty twenty three. Yeah, we we get it. We're all here for this one. Yeah, yeah, but. Yeah, this is like the very last snapshot kind of of an age of innocence that just yeah. is that like a souffle is too delicate to exist because oh my god so many <laughs> what people a are shouting. It, it's it's just it's just funny to see parents fretting about a kid's car being stolen. Like I feel like today if if two parents find out that the worst thing that is going to happen to their kid is that his car gets stolen, it's like uh, they would be weeping tears of joy with relief that that is the only thing they need to worry about. We have to call yeah. the insurance company. That's it. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and also, you know, uh, when Tim's saying you got to stick to your principles, you had Mark and, and Brad saying, well, you know, my generation, our generation doesn't have any principles. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, <laughs> which was also just like, right. it was kind of a one, two whammy with this. Like just, uh, you know, I, I hate it when a kid on a TV show is just, like just being used as a puppet with a 40 something writer inside putting forth their values. <laughs> ah, kid, kids today like me with our rock music, we're the worst. <laughs> so I don't know. Do we, do we want to talk about anything else from the news report or from Tim's like, I mean, like, listen, we can talk for a while about just how gross it is that Tim just is saying vigilante justice is the only way to get things done. But I will, yeah, since this is the kind of the final episode, we do have a, a non sequitur. Yeah, final scene. But um, I, I have to be honest. The, the last surprise of the episode was Tim set out to do vigilante justice and was successful. Yeah, <laughs> I did not see that coming. I, I, I'm sorry. I did see it coming. Like, it just uh, t- of course. Like, when he set it up, like, I'm the tool man, I can do anything, and the whole crowd is cheering for him. They're yeah. not going to serve up Tim getting hoisted on his petard in this episode. This is an... I guess like, so. This is the same... This is yeah. Tim Tim can never not have the last laugh when it comes to Halloween yeah. pranks. Of course he's mm-hmm. going to solve the case. Of course he's going to bust the bad guys. Uh, of Solving car crimes, that's one of the things where Tim, ca- like, has to win on this show. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, in retrospect, and you saying that, I, I can see it now, but I, I don't know. It just, there's something, it just felt like it was flirting with something so, not dangerous, but just, like, I don't know, odd, mm-hmm. that I felt like it had to blow up in his face. Like, I didn't have any any doubt that it would be resolved in a, you know, positive way for Brad or, you know, for the, for the family. But I definitely didn't think Tim was going to be like successful at bringing them down without any consequence to him. Because again, because the show hasn't primed us for the notion of characters occasionally just solving mysteries. You don't, uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Good to get some surprises, some twists and some turns along the way. Here, here's the saddest part is that um, even though Columbo went into the early 2000s, uh, Richard Karn was never on an episode. <sighs> that would I, I recently had my mind blown by the longevity of Columbo. But yeah, thinking about uh, Richard Karn never being the person who we watch get entrapped by Columbo would really, that's eh, sad. Would, 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 do you think he would be the, the killer? Absolutely. Or do you think he'd be the person that they're trying to frame? Or I... the person that they kill? 
I don't no, not the person. He I'm sorry, not at his level of stature. No, I want <laughs> I want to see Richard Karn as the bad guy in a Columbo. I want him to be the the murderer mm. who is underestimating Columbo along the way. I because that's playing against type, and I think he could do it, and I think it would rule. You wouldn't expect. I mean, I guess it would work better if it was a show where you, the audience, don't know who the killer is. But it also well, I don't, there there are different types. I mean, like there are some where someone accidentally kills someone and tries mm. to you know not be not necessarily get away with it but just not get caught like mm-hmm. oh shit no one's gonna understand that i didn't do this on purpose uh maybe that kind of character mm, i think i could see good. that i could see that i mean but of course al is so safety conscious that if i had to pick someone who was going to be careless and accidentally kill someone i'd be looking in a different direction <laughs> Well, are we talking about Al Borland or are we talking about Richard Karn? Okay, that's that's true. That's true. I, I'm typecasting him in my mind. You're right. You're right. He would be playing against type <laughs> if he if he was careless and accidentally killed someone. This is why he needs to do that role so I don't make mistakes like this. There you go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I had to say about that. Should we go to the the stinger? Yeah, we should. Uh, on tool time, Tim shows off the advanced Binford security system he's installed in Brad's new car. Invites Al to break into the car. Once Al does, he gets locked inside the car, and the car alarm starts going off, and the airbag inflates. It's not super funny. It's not even in no. like a. That's not funny. I'm offended by it. But just like a, it's just not a like okay, a car alarm is going off, and then a slowly <laughs> I mean, inflating. It, it does seem like a, a a pretty decent idea for a car alarm. Like lock the doors from the outside so that the person's stuck inside. Yeah, I mean. Well, well, but then, but then I, that doesn't make any sense because then they just break the window and c- crawl out. I mean, I mean, and even if I couldn't break the window and I was just trapped in someone's car waiting for the cops to arrive, you better believe I'm taking a shit in their car to at least like get one over <laughs> on them out of revenge. It's like, okay, the only the only lever I'm gonna go to jail. Fine. The only leverage I have over you right now is that I can ruin the interior of your car. <laughs> um. One thing I that I don't know, it's not really funny, but just an interesting detail is uh, when they start the segment, Al's like, I'm not going <laughs> to – you built this thing. I'm not going to break, try to break into the car. Like, yeah. I'm not that stupid, Tim. Yeah. And Tim goes, well, your paycheck's in the glove box. And which, Again, also not funny. But Al's like, fine, okay. And then he goes in. And I don't know if you notice, like they don't draw attention to it, but he reaches over to the glove box, and as the airbag goes off, he has his paycheck in his left hand. Okay, okay, all right, good detail. I mean, this is yet another one of Al's problems that could be solved by direct deposit, though. I, I gotta say, <laughs> they, they've gotta have your well, bank account information by now. You've been on the show for so long, man. Just and you know, Tim does shit like this with your physical paycheck. Oh God, um. Then we get some bloops. We, no, no. Those, th- these are the two most boring bloops in the history of the world. They don't deserve to be called bloops. They're blips. <laughs> uh, one is <laughs> Heidi accidentally knocks a sign off in the middle of a scene. Oh, so exciting. And the, the next one, I mean, also not great, is <laughs> uh, they're talking and there's just a loud bang that sounds like a gunshot going off in the middle of a scene. I, I I mean, it sounds to me like just something falling over offset, and the the actors all kind of mildly react to it. And it, yeah, it's the yeah, honk shoe, dude. I mean, this is really this is all you had. <laughs> oh my just, god! Just show me clips of the the grunt grunt creep dancing around and falling off stuff. I mean, it's just I, uh, you don't have to bloop. 
I, I, to be honest, I'm surprised that they didn't have a bloop of Tim going through his like I you know delivered a baby after receiving Car Guy of the Year you know like going through that long very rapidly you know rapid dialogue uh especially saying he sent uh something into I, I don't even know the words I can't even recall geosynchronous them. orbit you know, yeah yeah geosynchronous orbit like how did he not flip flub on that. I I don't know. I don't know. It probably probably because he's been waiting to say that for years <laughs> and he's been rehearsing so. it in one of his many cars every day. <laughs> oh, Truman. Landon. What do you say we go into character actor corner for this episode? We yes. have a whole lot. Okay. <laughs> people well, to talk about. Great. All right. Let's let's uh, put on a pot of coffee. We will be here all night. <laughs> um let's start with uh uh, what's her character name? It Mrs. Is McCready. Velma. Velma McCready. Yes. She is played by Catherine Joustin. Mm. Um, are you familiar with Catherine Joustin? I am not, but I will be soon. Not just because you're okay. telling me, because I'm looking her up. Well, well, don't, don't cheat. Uh, oh, yeah. Because we have a game to play. Yes. Uh, she's probably best known for two things. One, she was uh, the kind of foul mouth grandma on Wedding Crashers, uh, in Wedding Crashers, and she had a long stint in Desperate Housewives as kind of the nosy neighbor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, she has 121 acting credits. She unfortunately passed away in 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes back to, okay, stop scrolling. Um, 1983 is her first credit for a TV movie called Listen to Your Heart. She was in Picket Fences, Family Matters, Third Rock from the Sun, Grace Under Fire, Roseanne, Murphy Brown, Seinfeld, Frasier. Oh, just shoot me, home improvement. Tracy takes on. Ooh. Oh, she was in Hellraiser Inferno. How did oh. I forget that? Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I mean, listen. Is she prolific? I would say so. It sounds like, yes. We've answered the is it pro is she prolific question. Uh, <laughs> West Wing. Um King of Queens. Was she on ER? I'm gonna say yes with a filmography like that. Playing Lois in 1996 in one episode, she was on ER. Boom. Love it. Congratulations, Miss Justine. Justine. Justin. Justin. I tried to look her up, and I put in Justine. Anyway, uh... (laughs) Uh, Catherine Houston, yeah. She's uh, a prolific... I think she's a really, really talented uh, uh, actress. She has proven herself. Okay. Agreed. Thank you for being here, Miss Houston. Let's move on to... um, What do you... uh, Police officer... Uh, yeah. The guy who discovers the car. Yes. Uh, Dan Toulis Jr. Okay. 26 credits going back to internet work. Uh, Zigfield, the man and his women. Oh, <laughs> God. Great. Who could <laughs> I don't, forget? Don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, Hill Street Blues, the A-team. Mm. So I'm sure you saw him in your youth. Oh, I bet. Uh, he, I, I saw him. I saw him uh, getting, you know, crawling out of a car that is flipped over, completely unharmed. <laughs> Backdraft, married with children. Was he on ER? Uh, I'm gonna say yes. He was on ER. Ooh, 
with 26 credits. Oh, hello. None of them were ER. I'm sorry. That was uh, too bold of me. Okay. Well. <laughs> and now, now that you've lost your 100% batting average, are you just like grinding through the rest of this character after corner? I guess. Actually, I am. I am. But you know what? <laughs> hey, you got to rise and grind. You know what? Get it out of the... Get, fail early so you don't have to be, uh, you don't have to be too uptight for the rest of it. Okay, well, let's go to the two guys in the chop shop, what do you say? Uh, Mm -hmm. We have one of them, uh, the character name is Carl, and one of them is George. Guess what? We don't need to spend too much time on Mike Grief, who plays George, because as it said in the episode, he was in uh, No-No Godot. Yes, and he was on ER. Or he wasn't. Uh, Don't go and check that. Yeah. Yeah, go back to that episode and see if you got it right then. Yeah, yeah, there's the suspense. It does not for count you. now. Although you may not be able to access that episode depending on which season it's from at the moment. But <laughs> now, but hold we'll, on. We'll figure it out. It'll be fixed. Uh, okay. But so give me, the, uh, give me the straight dope on the new guy. The new guy, Brent Hinckley, does he look familiar to you? Um, yes, he does because of his weird teeth, but I don't know why. <laughs> he is um I, I want to reserve prolific for anyone that has over a hundred credits, but let's call him a memorable character actor. How okay. About that? Okay, let's. Let's. Why is he memorable? Uh, Why do I remember him? Just because of his face. I don't know, his general demeanor. He seems to be memorable in whatever he pops up in. He's he's like the quintessential character actor that's like, I know him. Mm-hmm. He he's he's idiosyncratic. Is yeah. that a word? Yeah, uh, no, it's not, but I appreciate you trying. Thanks for playing. <laughs> Brent Hinckley has been in things such as Silence of the Lambs as Officer Murray. Uh, Uh, mm -hmm. Ed Wood as Conrad Brooks. Okay, okay. Uh, He was in Falling Down. He was in Jacob's Ladder, In the Line of Fire. He was in an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He's he's in two credits. In a bunch of very 90s type of movies. Just like a very specific vibe (laughs) of movies from a very specific time. Yeah. Uh, Brain Dead. He was mm. in. Uh, it's a Bill Pullman movie. Um, uh, horror film. Honeymoon in Vegas. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And do you want me to really hit this? Uh, this nineties era. Carnosaur. Yeah. Ooh. Oh. Okay. Uh, okay. Starring Richard Carnes. <laughs> uh, the Faculty is a TV series. Uh, Star Trek Voyager. Married with children. Coach. Mm. Uh, Drew Carey. Just yeah. shoot me. Yeah. Was yeah. he on ER? Yeah, he was on ER. Yes. Playing Fred Hopper in 2001, he was on an episode of ER. Yeah, you don't. You're, you're not in. You're not in. In the line of fire and Silence of the Lambs, and then not doing bits on ER. I'm sorry. That's just a <laughs> fundamental rule of the industry. As someone who is not really in it. Um. Okay. Moving on. We got two more. Uh. The. The uh, what do you call the newscaster who's yeah. speaking? Yes, the yeah the new that's newscaster. <laughs> is that what newscasters usually that's, do? That is what a newscaster. Is. I have a I I have a journalism degree that I know. It's a newscaster. <laughs> All right, Holly Maples is playing the newscaster, uh, whose character name is Tiffany Gutierrez. Yep, Tiffany Gutierrez, and they do make a joke about how news anchors will pronounce their Hispanic last names in a Hispanic accent, which I think is kind of a weak joke. Twelve credits, including flight attendant on Almost Famous Hmm. and Diane Kelly on The Office. Oh, well, okay, that's exciting. Uh, I'm going to say no. She did play 
Elkerton police officer in The Animal, starring Rob Schneider. Oh, well, okay, that changes my <laughs> uh, assessment. Not one bit. She was not on ER. You are correct. Holly Woo. Maples, thank you for playing. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Lastly, thank you for being a friend. we have uh, the police woman at the very end. She is played by Adrienne Evans. Mm-hmm. 15 credits, uh, most recently on Mank, and her first one was back in 1960. Whoa. Uh, yeah, I don't know. She was, uh, played Little Girl uh, in the Donna Reed show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would make sense. So, so between 1960 and 2020, was she on ER? I'm going to go ahead and say no, she was not. She was typecast as a little girl, and then she grew out of it. She grew into a policewoman. Uh, she was on an episode of NYPD Blue, but not Ooh, on ER. I'm glad I didn't ask you. She was she was typecast as a policewoman after she grew up. <laughs> You're right. Because uh, she does play ER doctor in The Pretender, uh, Agent Manning in The Profiler. Um, I'm trying to see if there's any other cop roles. I don't see them at all. Nope. Wow, so she played ER doctor, but not on ER. That's uh, I threaded that needle uh, real well. You certainly did. Uh, Adrian Evans, thank you for playing Truman. Landon. Um, couple things we got to do here. Yes. What do we learn in this episode? We learned in this episode that uh, you got to lock your car, you know, and maybe invest <laughs> in one of those, uh, invest in one of those uh, club things that you put on the wheel and maybe invest in LoJack, um, you know, so that you can track down where your car is at unless they hmm. chop the LoJack, in which case you are SOL. Uh, what did you learn? I learned before you leave your car, put a post-it note <laughs> on all of the different parts that can be stripped saying, you might need money, but I also need money. We live in 2023. This world is a hellscape. That's true. That's true. You really got to, you know, those, you make those crooks feel bad enough about themselves. They will just, they will personally go to trade school and improve their lives on their own. This is, this is the alternative oh. to cops in prisons, folks. It's sticky notes and guilt. Uh? Yes. How many grunts were there? I? Truman, I'm going to surprise you. Yeah? Yeah, I am. Three grunts. Now, Landon, that's actually, I'm sorry, not a surprise to me that you would guess that. Um, Why? Because there are indeed grunts. I counted two, and I replayed the oh, scene a I bunch knew, of times. I fucking knew you were going to do the two. I, I knew it. I knew what I, I knew it. Tim is going, you know, like, you know, uh, Jill, where, where's uh, where's Brad? Oh, he's attached like he's attached to that car at the hip. And Tim goes, yeah, it's my boy. <laughs> And he like it. Everything about the cadence mm. of it sounds like he's going. That's my boy. Oh, oh, oh. But like I replayed it a bunch with my ear pressed to the okay. TV speaker, and all I got was grunt, grunt, and then you don't hear the third one. So it's just it's a sound mixing thing. I'm sure he said it on set, but I did. I all you can hear are two. Okay. I mean, I'm here to support you with the numbers, even at the risk of being incorrect myself. Well, uh, thank you. Uh, uh, a grunt in the throat doesn't count for one in the tally. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Let the maybe workshop that one a little bit more before we, you know, call O. Henry and have him put that one out there. <laughs> oh my God, Truman! I foreshadowed something at the beginning of this episode, and I gotta, I gotta bring it up now before we end. Yes. Um, I have a confession to make. Okay. You you stole while... my car. 
<laughs> if you had a car to steal. That's it's um, the perfect crime, really. While you were gone, I cheated on you. <sighs> I was on another podcast. What? You son uh, of a bitch. The thing that I've done like four times? <laughs> yes. Uh, but the thing is, I wasn't going on another podcast and not talking about uh, what we talk about. You were going to talk about wrestling. I went to pretty much pop um, a really cool pop culture kind of smarty pants uh, uh, pop culture podcast um, and talked about sitcoms. What? Yeah, <laughs> wait, but that's my thing. Ah, you, is this how you get back at me for going to? Oh, man. Uh, I definitely recommend it. The episode is out as we're recording this today. So you can go to pretty much pop and, and listen to it. Uh, it's certainly by the time this, uh, is this episode's released, it'll be a week old. So, um, it's out there. It's called, um, hold on. Let me pull it. It's called, it's called called growing up sitcomed on which. Oh, you've already looked it up. Yeah. Mark, Sarah Lynn Lawrence and guest Landon Solano from the grunt work podcast. Talk about, Talk about our ambivalence toward three-camera laugh-tracked half-hour comedies that filled our childhoods. Yes, I'm so mad at you that I'm going to roast the minor typo in their show notes on their very functional website. <laughs> it's it's a I actually I'm a, a listener of the podcast, so it was an honor to be on. Um, I want to I just I want to spoil it because I do want people to go check it out, but I <laughs> have to bring something up. Uh, there was a point at which we were kind of dissecting the the format of sitcoms and the kind of conservative nature of it and i i went into the thing that we've kind of come around to after analyzing this show for seven seasons by saying um there's something kind of inherently conservative in the fact that we have to arrive at a status quo so that even if we are tackling issues by the end of it we do kind of have to wrap up with a well i guess my husband's just into cars and that's how it's gonna be oopsie mm-hmm. do uh and this, there was like a half second pause after I said it. It's, one of the other guests just went, "That's fucking dark." <laughs> <laughs> they got. And, uh, they looked into the abyss of grunt work for one second, and uh, the abyss looked back. I I was like, uh, in that moment, I'm like, oh my god, have I become so numb to? to- what we do week in and week out that reporting back outside of Plato's cave is that like people can't can't bear the truth of of what we've uncovered here. I I mean, look, yeah, I think that doing a podcast about home improvement has turned us into the Joker, and uh, they should have known that as soon as they saw you dancing on that staircase on your way into record. <laughs> oh, dear God. Um. Anyway. It was a lot of fun. I hope I get asked back. Uh, I <laughs> will yeah. see what happens in the future. I'm I'm gonna listen to it tonight on my walk, and I you know, and yeah, I I hope that maybe in the future they invite some of your friends too. You know, like maybe maybe like me, but I don't know. Whatever, I, I can talk about other stuff on other podcasts. <laughs> I'll go talk about wrestling, a thing I don't really follow on my own. <laughs> oh my god! Pretty much pop. Go check it out. Um, yes, Truman. Let's end this episode. Yes. Uh, let's. So do it. Current <laughs> work is made possible quite literally through these trying times by our patrons. If you enjoyed today's episode, want to help us create the show, recreate the show, get the show mm. 
back up. I mean, that, I think that's on you at this point. Yeah. Uh, consider becoming an official Gruntnet sponsor over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod, which is also where we're posting regular episodes until we get our RSS feeds back just, up and just, running. Just throw some money onto this bonfire, guys, please. Really, we're going to be good <laughs> stewards. Uh, leave a rating or review on well your podcast. Well, don't do that until we're back on the podcatchers. But when in in the future, when you're listening to this episode, go do that. Uh, <laughs> write a sticky note, put it up uh, where you'll see it in a couple weeks, and uh, yeah, do it then. <laughs> Stop by to say hi to us on Instagram. Yep, at only there. Pod. <laughs> or visit our website. Our website is up. It's just not complete yet. At <laughs> Yeah, at where at www.grotworkpodcast.com, where you can see a a uh, a piece of clip art of a uh, of a construction worker and under construction <laughs> in flashing, uh, flashing lights. No, you can go and listen to old episodes as I get them up and going again. Uh, so I guess until next week, <laughs> when we bring you another episode of Home Improvement. I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps, and remember. All the events of this episode could have been avoided if American cities simply invested in robust and efficient public transportation networks. <laughs> <laughs>